Hello and welcome to episode 167 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the honorable Judge East, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Drew Carey currently looks like he is impersonating Mandy Patinkin circa Homeland. I don't think I've seen a picture of Drew Carey in a very long time. So I hadn't either, and I was watching uh, the Yankee game with my dad shortly before coming down here. And uh-huh. as I was walking out of the room, my mom was switching the channel and she accidentally put on CBS and the price is right at night was on, which I did not know was a thing. Apparently Drew Carey is still hosting the price is right at night. And okay. I was like, wait, is it, it's live. I don't know, but they're airing it uh-huh. at night and it's the price is right. And it seems okay. fairly current because he looks nothing like anything I've seen him as hosting it <laughs> and i was like oh my god he looks like that's what the pandemic did to him he looks like mandy patinkin does in homeland <laughs> long hair that's like combed back beard glasses but like not the old glasses he used to wear that were like the old glasses like more modern looking big right. glasses he looks like saul from homeland huh i still haven't watched homeland the first season is incredible okay it How goes are eight, which technically I never even finished. Okay. The eighth we're, not, season. we're not off to a great start with this conversation. <laughs> Listen, don't get me wrong. It's still fun and entertaining for the next several seasons, but it just gets further and further off the rails. It's like a m- even more dramatic version of what happened to Dexter. Oh, okay. Except this show starts taking itself seriously. Whereas Dexter always had a little bit of a wink campiness to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first season is legitimately great, though. Um, e- even if you just decided, I'm just going to watch that season and leave it alone. You would yeah, you would some experience with that show. Yeah, I, like I do, you would be, it would be worth your time. It. Like the performances are good. The you know, the the writing is great. Um, I so still really hooked like that, that. That really, really loved it. Yeah. Like stayed with it the whole the whole way. I did, too. It's just that when the final season was ending was around the time that I was starting this job and then the pandemic hit. So I watched like the first half of the final season still have them still plan on getting to the rest of them. because I don't have that many episodes left. It's like, I have like four or five episodes left. Mm. Um, it's just not a priority. Fair. At this point, I'm so that. close, you know, it's like tripping at the finish line and not crawling the final hundred yards, you know, <laughs> just, you just give up. Like, dude, could you imagine running 26.1 miles? That's enough. Yeah, no. If you if you come that far, turn around and you go the other way. I'm 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 familiar. I'm familiar with with sunk cost fallacy and all. Very familiar. But when it's that far and it's not really costing you that much more to finish, you might as well just do it. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. If I got that far, um, that's pretty much how I felt with the Sopranos. It's garbage, garbage television show. On this week's episode, we have Shang-Chi, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and three other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, <laughs> The Trial of the Chicago 7. But first, Al, what are we drinking? It's a good question, because I'm trying to punch it in here so I don't forget it for when we put together the show notes, but we're drinking... Just punch it in, and then put it out there on the line. <laughs> I'm telling you, just put it out on first the line. First, you punch it in. My dad says punch it in all the time. He asked me to look up the most absurd thing... Can't you just punch in blah, 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 blah. I was like, that. at this point, you actually know how to search for things. You know that you can't do what you just asked me, and you just want me to make it so. Well, or, or conversely, you've given me very explicit directions on what and how to search. So clearly, <laughs> yeah. you know how to do it. 
And I have to spend the next 15 minutes explaining why that won't yield any results. <laughs> well, listen, assuming he's got it wrong, but in the odd, the off case that he's got it right, he has given you the roadmap to do it. So he knows how to do it himself. Speaking of my dad, my, my uh, sister sent me a screenshot. She does this occasionally when he sends her a text. Mm-hmm. And the the text starts off, Buongiorno Principessa, comma, Steve. What? Right? And she said, Why, Steve? He said, this phone is ridiculous. I tried to send a message through the car. Didn't work well. I meant to say, Buongiorno Principessa, come stai, I love you. <laughs> okay? So, it heard comma Steve <laughs> instead of comma. It's like that it's like that meme of the person who draws the horse and the first half of the horse is like or the back half of the horse is like perfect and then it like progressively gets worse and more like a stick figure. Yeah. And that's what the phone did. Like is it got the beautiful Italian early on and then just comma Steve. Steve. <laughs> like I'm bored of this. But she goes, "Who's Steve?" And I had to break it down. I was like, "How did this happen?" Got it. And I did the translation for her. <laughs> um, anyway, we are doing Harpoon One Hazy Summer. It's juicy, vibrant, soft. Now, going to stop you right there, beer. I don't want your beer to be hard. <laughs> that's, that's also fair. Um, I feel like vibrant and soft aren't really don't really go together. I would agree that it seems to be an odd pairing of adjectives describing this beer. I wouldn't say that they necessarily are mutually exclusive, but no, you know, let's see if it can do both though. <laughs> Find you a beer that can do both. <laughs> this might be it. It's a new hey, one. This one's not that old. It's only uh, my mother's birthday. 2019. <laughs> uh, I thought you're going to make a joke about how it's established 1986 up top. I start. I was going to do that at first. And then I realized, no, the date is actually bad. <laughs> So I'm going to go with you know, the real thing. After last week, I think it was last week, right? The Dortmunder. That was the 17, right? Yeah, well. It was a great vintage. I did. <laughs> I did very quickly look to see if there was an obvious date on this one, just in anticipation uh, of this conversation. Didn't see one. I was like, okay, hopefully Anthony doesn't go looking, but obviously you did. <laughs> um, this is a New England Pale Ale. It's 5.5% alcohol by volume, 38 IBUs. Unfortunately, it's only 12 ounces. Mm. Intense aromas. The rest, of, uh, pretty almost all of what we have left is a twelve ounce. Mm, that is distressing. We have a uh, except for that old Brooklyn that, that we that we've done, and we have the other beer that I believe is reserved for Happy Gilmore if we ever do it. <laughs> oh yeah, I still have a couple of those over here. Um, intense aromas of citrus, berry, and tropical fruit in a hazy summer pale ale. Okay. We don't need any excuses to celebrate one hazy summer. Open and enjoy. Now on the back, did you see what's on the back? Because this is kind of fun. Oh. It's like a Mad Lib, but instead it's like a doctor's note Mad Lib. Okay. It says, dear blank, I can't make it to blank. I'm blank to miss it, but I have a blank that I need to blank. I just can't get away. I hope to make it up to you. Blank beers are on me. Sincerely blank. I, this is a half-assed attempt though. Like put the, you're supposed to put like noun. (laughs) verb yes though you can make out what it's trying to what the point is trying to drive home here is but yes i agree you are supposed to give some guidance in a med this is how this is how you don't mad lib be funny if you got them all consistently wrong when mad libs make you mad oh yeah that would be if we arbitrarily decided which like which type of word to put in it and then we read it out loud yeah 
<laughs> Dear, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, nice. you ready to try right. try this? Slightly yeah, there's here? not really much to talk with, but not, not really much to talk about logo wise here or or bottle art. We'll say though, uh, the love life love beer pressed into the glass. I like that. Yes, there is one other thing of note to mention though. Above harpoon when hazy summer, very help helpfully tells you summer. Summer. <laughs> it just it just whispers it to you. In case you were trying to drink this on summer for Christmas, <laughs> this right. is intended for summer and only summer. The summer of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Dick. Mm. You're right. Nope. Hang on one second. I'm gonna try again. Another sip here. Did you fail at sipping? Um, no. That is vibrant. I wouldn't say it's soft, though. <laughs> would, I would wouldn't you, say soft. Would you say it was hard, though? I kind of would. <laughs> it's a bit of an aggressive... <laughs> there's an aggressive fizz. I would refer... I, I think that's... I feel like if it was soft, it wouldn't have an aggressive fizz. Or is it saying because it's a soft pale ale, like, if it were to be implied that it was hard, would the alcohol content be higher? Is that mm. what we're going for? Like, Mike's Harder Lemonade, which has more alcohol than Mike's Hard Lemonade? God. There is so much trash out on the shelves in stores, it's painful. You know, I got it. Anyway, that, that, that noise, I just I need to fill you in. Um, I, 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 I must have done something to my shoulder. And I can't lift. I, we actually talked about this on Game Bites the other day. And I... Uh, really? I you're really milking really that it. injury. I can't really lift it. <laughs> yeah, right. Because, well, that's going to come out well after this. <laughs> So it's all very really confusing. Like, Jeez, this guy's gonna get his shoulder looked at already. <laughs> it's been months. Going on for months. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, I, I just I've reached the point in my life where like I'll wake up and something will be wrong. I don't. There's nothing specific that I've done. It's funny because as you were just going through that, I maybe my mom's got sympathy pains because she couldn't figure out why her shoulder started hurting all of a sudden, and it was her right shoulder as well. And she did the same thing. Oh. Where she like didn't even really do a thing. That should trigger a pain in a shoulder right. in the same way that you did. Like it wasn't like you like reached like aggressively behind you for something or like we're lifting something no. heavy. You just lifted a glass of beer to your mouth. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I use my right hand to lift the glass and that's what I, I it's it's moving my hand upwards past. I don't know. I, I can't even describe it. it Do you it, have like <laughs> a shoulder impingement? Uh, something right right along the uh, I'm drawing for Al on my shoulder, top Did down. Tear a rotator cuff. That's. I mean, I would assume that if I did, it would hurt on the regular, but it only hurts when I do something. No, if it's a partial tear. So maybe that. Maybe uh, that. Or also, it could just be inflamed. It could be. You could have like bursitis of the shoulder. And uh, I did, I don't know. And I, I refuse to accept that it's torn. No reason being, <laughs> you didn't do anything didn't to do, tear. I didn't do anything. There wasn't like a, there wasn't something that happened where then I felt it. I woke up and I put a shirt on, and that hurt. And I was like, "Huh, that hurt." And then other things hurt more throughout the day. Um, certainly. What did you wait? Did you get a a baseball spring training injury? Because that's always been a classic storyline, like for decades now, where it'll be like. A week into spring training or a week like before the season starts? I mean, I hope I'm being written into a movie. <laughs> but and so I don't know if that's what happened here. No, like 
there's spring training injuries in baseball where all of a sudden you'll hear, oh, this person's going on the injured list for two weeks because they slipped coming out of the shower. Um, it mm. only seems to be a baseball thing. It's no other sport, and it's always in like February or March. You hear it, you know, oh, this person um, tore an, or like sprained an oblique muscle sneezing, or this person uh, injured their neck toweling off their hair, or something like that. <laughs> there's always someone. Who, there's always yeah. someone who dropped luggage on their foot um, when they were moving. You know, getting ready to fly back from Florida to to New York or Chicago or wherever. Mm. There's always someone who accidentally cut their fingertip off, like making breakfast. It's, it's the weirdest <laughs> phenomenon that has been going on for oh decades. My God. In baseball. That's why they're so superstitious. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I didn't really, I've been doing a boxing workout, uh, which is not, it's like a non-impact thing. It's mostly just like form and like, you don't like fully extend. You kind of just you go through certain motions and I didn't No, You could still but, overuse your shoulder. Yeah. What I'm thinking what actually happened there is, you're always you always have your guard up, mm-hmm. and if I put my guard up right now, it hurts. Yes. So I'm assuming that it has something to do with three days a week being in that position. Have for you been doing an extended like period of time adequate loosening up of the joints oh, yeah. before you've been doing that and all? Yeah, stretching when you're done. Yep. Maybe yeah, I've, I've learned that lesson a long time ago. <laughs> maybe, maybe pop a couple of Tylenol. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm probably gonna have to do that um, again. I think that's about worn off, which is probably why drinking the beer hurts. That's right. You get to exercise that lefty beer drinking muscle. That's right. So anyway, yeah. this beer. Um, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Better than last week's. <laughs> better than last week's, that's for sure. Uh, but where are you going to go? I, I think I'm, I'm, really, I'm really only feeling a thuckle. That sounds right. Okay. I agree. The thuckle beer. Nothing did, special. Did Nothing we, to write home about. Did we settle on zero thuckles or negative thuckles last week? Was that our first negative thuckle? I think we went zero thuckles. Okay. It was weird because it felt like the beer was growing on you slightly. And it felt like for me, I was actually liking it less as I went along. Yeah. I I feel uh, like you I, went from I, negative thuckle to zero thuckles and I went from zero thuckles to negative thuckle. I feel it feel weird about the, the negative thuckle system in, in that I, I, I'm, I'm going to need some examples of what's a negative one thuckle to negative four thuckles, you know, because I got to know. I can't I can't imagine that once you go once you break the zero and you start going down. I feel like, do I just start at negative thuckle for the first beer that I'm really not interested in? And like, when does it become a, not, I guess a negative four would be like, not only would I never drink this again, I'm regretful. Like, is that negative four? <laughs> so like, Natty Light? <laughs> we had some good times though. So that's like, is that just a negative two? Maybe that's only negative two thuckles. That's okay. two thuckles down. Pick your least favorite, like, light beer. It sounds like a... Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> Negative four thuckles? Two thuckles down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It's just that's what popped into the head. Wait, two thuckles down or two chuckles down? <laughs> two Pullman's chuckles. Pullman's chuckles. Those are up. Firm chuckles. <laughs> it's fine. It's a chuckle. It's a... Nope. It's no! A it's, it's, it's a thuckle. It's time... For the Flicks in a Six News Hour. Beep, 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 beep. Al, yes. you've got some news. Oh yeah, I didn't tell you what yep. any of the news was. You? You've got you've got three times news. Thrice cooked. <laughs> <laughs> Thruckles. Thruckles. <laughs> Give me your second news. Okay. I probably should have opened these ahead of time instead of just leaving the hyperlinked note. Sure. This is via variety. God, I hate myself for saying that that way. 
Um, yeah. The <laughs> as soon as I said it, I was like, I hate you too. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I was like, you know what? I hope that Anthony's mad at me because I'm mad at myself. <laughs> it was not intentional. Uh, God, that was douchey. Um, from Variety yesterday, which would be Tuesday if you're listening to this, um, Amelia Clark joins Marvel's Secret Invasion at Disney Plus. It's by Matt Donnelly. It's an exclusive. Amelia Clark is in final negotiations to join Marvel Studios' Secret Invasion, the hot original series quickly coming together at Disney+. The Game of Thrones headliner's role is naturally under wraps and marks her first foray into the Marvel Universe. She joins previously reported cast Samuel Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, Bingsley, uh, yeah. Kingsley Benadir, and... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not just call Ben Mendelsohn. We've already... We've landed on that. I forgot about that, actually. <laughs> uh, Kingsley Benadir and... Olivia Coleman, and why are you sending me another link? Me? Yeah, Skype just I told did me not, you I, sent me another link. I did not do anything, <laughs> to be clear. My, my hands are over here. <laughs> Marvel Studios declined to comment on the matter. Reps for Clark did not immediately comment on the matter. Secret Invasion was announced as a development property last year, one of Marvel's many planned titles for Disney+. Jackson's reprising his MCU role of Nick Fury, while Meddlesome will play the scroll Talos as he did in the feature film Captain Marvel. Sure. The series is said to follow us a group of shape-shifting aliens who have been infiltrating Earth for years. Benadir has Just say scroll. <laughs> Synonymous. <laughs> Benadir has been set as a main villain. Kyle Bradstreet is attached to write and executive produce. Kevin Feige's unit is producing the series for the streamer as it does all other MCU titles, including the hits WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm, um, not, I'm not a fan of the phrase Kevin Feige's unit. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Feige. Uh, Wait, hang on a second. Hang on. <laughs> In this sentence, we have the words Kevin Feige's unit joined to producing and the streamer. All in one sentence. Where is Disney Plus going? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's right. cool. It's cool. funny. Just we have a co- thing. I said just a couple of days ago, my brother was like lamenting too, like what whatever happened to Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury because he hasn't really done anything in years, like of like note on the screen in the series. He's still just kind of kicking around. Mm-hmm. And well, here's your answer, Dominic. Yeah. He's gonna be well. It hasn't been that long. Well, he was he hand waved far from home. Um, yeah, but because he was there he was. Well, it's because he's not actually playing Nick Fury. He's playing right. Ben Mendelsohn, which was fun because I like how like going through that movie, we were both like something's not something's off. It's almost as if he's phoning it in or not being himself. And then the fact that that's how it was played really is just props to the actor. Which I said that to him because he it seemed like was taking that kind of literally like he was bored. You said that it was to like, Sam. No, to my brother. Um, <laughs> I called him up. I was like, you are a tremendous actor. <laughs> Sam! Buddy! <laughs> Guy! <laughs> my dude! Um, and he was like, you know, it's like he didn't even really want... I was like, well, he was playing someone playing him. It's very subtle. It's very mm-hmm. subtle character work. Um, yeah, when Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels do it in Dumb and Dumber 2, not... <laughs> Not, not, not the, the same. same. Not the same. I was like, but I hear you. It's been since probably the Winter Soldier that he actually legitimately was like being Nick Fury. And even that, he's barely in the movie when you consider the amount of total runtime. Was he ever supposed to get a, his own movie? 
Well, he's getting his own show is the thing. Oh, he's getting Secret Invasion. Here it is. Oh, that's his, like, that's his, his show. Like, he's going to be. It sounds like it based on what I just okay. read, read to you. Cool. Um, I don't know. It could be everybody else. And he's just there. I don't know. It does seem like it'll probably be an ensemble, considering it's like him and Ben Mendelsohn and I'm imagining yeah. Amelia Clark. But like if it was movie. if it was like Nick Fury's Secret Invasion, like that. Could, well, <laughs> that I think be... actually it, I don't think it said it in this one. The original thing I said saw, which actually picked up from this, I think it actually did stylize it as that. Whether that's officially oh right. okay. So I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I mean, whatever. More stuff. I'm, I'm into it. I actually was thinking earlier. I, we started this. When we started this show, what was? Do you remember what the first Marvel movie we did was? I mean, I'm sure I could look it up real quick. So why don't you? I feel uh, like it was probably one of the Avengers movies, but I could be wrong. Buy me some time, real quick. Um, anyway, what this is coming down to is, I would like to at some point, not like necessarily like in a row or anything like that, but over the course of of the next year or so, I would like to go back and I would like to do an episode for each of the MCU movies that we haven't done. Uh, I have, oh, like I have just the itch. Fill fill them in like. Periodically? Yes. Yeah, here and there. Okay, so I think it'd be uh, I think it'd be good. So it's tec- gonna be a hard thing to search for. So technically not MCU, but we did episode two was Deadpool. No, sorry, not Deadpool, Logan. Right. Um So that's that so that's not that doesn't count. No. That being said, I I, I could Logan could use another watch soon. I don't know that it needs to be. So technically episode five. Uh-huh. It was a deep dive okay. into the current and future landscape of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, and we have done that a couple times, but like, what was the first MCU movie that we did? I am still looking because it looks like we you're, made. You're, you have to like scroll each episode, right? Because the names, of the title of the movie is not very clear. <laughs> Guardians Two, Episode Twelve. Okay, Episode Twelve, not so bad, not so bad. And then uh, assume May twenty second. We've done every MCU movie since Guardians Two. Yes, we, May twenty second of twenty seventeen. Yeah, because we did event like episodes for like Endgame and Infinity. Yeah, I really, I really miss recording. In your I basement. really miss our double, our double. Yeah, I, I miss our double episodes <clears throat> where we would go midnight showing reaction episode followed by morning showing real episode. Well, those we really only did for Star Wars and. Did we do it for both Avengers game movies or just the uh, one? I think I think we did it for both of them. Oh, okay. Well, those are, admittedly are the biggest event. Um, yeah, but, oh, they're so good. I watched I watched uh, Infinity War again the other day, and my goodness, is that a good movie? I I love it so much. There's also there's so much humor in it, and it really cracks me up for such a dark mostly, movie. <laughs> yeah, like mostly on the shoulders of Spider Man. Uh, Peter Quill is actually a little too much in that one, uh, and I could I, I, he could tone it back. Well, I, th- I think they unfortunately they set the tone the wrong way by having him have the pissing contest for a while with the yeah because yeah. it feels like he just carries that energy throughout the movie. Yeah, well, I guess that he does kind of bring it back when he said <laughs> something about the dance off like Footloose. Exactly like Footloose. Is it still the greatest movie of all time? And just the... It was never. The, yeah, the, the look on his on Tom Holland's face when he goes, it was never the greatest movie of all time. Or also, it never was. Also, immediately before that scene is one of the funniest things in the movie to me. And it's, you know, where's Gamora? I'll raise you one. Yeah. Who's Gamora? I'll raise you one. Why is Gamora? Yeah, that, that, that is the best. One of the... There were two scenes that got me, that got me laugh out loud by surprise. 
Uh, one I knew of, it just gets me every time, is when uh, Spider-Man is gets the suit for the first time when he's like mm-hmm. leaving the atmosphere and the suit hits him and then the parachute pops and he gets pulled away and like very quickly and like kind of low volume goes, Oh, come on. As it gets, <laughs> pulled, as it gets pulled away. And then uh, the other one was I had to, I, I actually texted you when I, when I saw this, but uh, the guardians are approaching uh, <laughs> the distress single, signal. And he goes, all right, everybody put on your mean faces. We don't know what we're up against. And Mantis is in the background out of focus. She's not in focus. But she makes a ridiculous face and then holds it for the rest of the scene. <laughs> and I was like, that's that's dedication. I really like that. Yeah. Um now there is some funny some funny stuff in that movie, considering how dark it is. And it's, Why is Gamora? Well, they started with Guardians 2, like getting because I think they wanted Drax to be funnier in the first one, and he has a couple mm-hmm. of lines, but some of it is a little bit tryhard. But I yeah. think they did a, a much better job in the second one. And it really, I, they don't give him many opportunities to shine in Infinity War, but he like hits it out of the park every time because him you, eating you the finally, peanuts and like yeah, standing there. <laughs> you finally know who Drax is when he goes, why would I drag my finger across his throat? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because a few weeks ago I watched Endgame for the first time since seeing it in theater. Oh. That was... It was fun to get back into that because there were ah. a couple of little details I, I forgot about. You know, I love obviously that movie I remember so the much. big beats of the, the movie and some of the chrono- chronology, and it was kind of lost on me. But You're an expert in amiology. <laughs> I had the right word. I just said it wrong. <laughs> well, uh, continuing on the MCU track, that, that Shang-Chi trailer dropped. It sure did. And uh, I am all in. I still have no idea what it's about. I'm all in. Yes. I'm, ready for, I'm ready for a new space that I know nothing about. Origin story. Give it to me. It's been a while. I'm ready. Yeah, I guess it's been... Well, it's weird because we had a year without them, right? But we had kind of a... It feels like it, it slipped in at a weird time in the timeline. But having an origin story with Captain Marvel, when it did, just feels a little bit out of place. When you look at like how everything is building to conclusion, and here we have something just beginning, yeah. Um, but even that's been what like three years now. Or- yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to what they're doing aesthetically because it's it definitely has the Marvel feel, right? It doesn't. It, it's like yes, this is a couple see- scenes into the trailer. Like, yep, this is easy. It's a Marvel movie. Like, you you again, you're nailing it. You're it's so cohesive, I especially don't know how they Mar- do it, Marvel but the last couple of years because like. Some of it even, some of the cinematography even felt a little Black Panther-ish. It did, and I actually thought that it did a nice job of bridging, almost bridging the gap a little bit between even the Netflix shows. There was a little bit of that grittiness to it. Well, you know what really it is, liked. and I, I know that I'm, there's an obvious reason why I'm drawing this parallel, considering this is a movie about, a, I believe, a, a Chinese guy. I mean, similar mm-hmm. to Lewis, is Chinese. Um, and Black Panther going to Korea and... Um, Falcon the Winter Soldier and Zemo going to some other fiction. I like that you refuse to let him go. Like he's part of of the title. (laughs) Well, he was for those couple of episodes, as I said to you right before we started recording. It's now Falcon and the Winter Soldier sans Zemo. He's Mm -hmm. now gone. Um, But uh, yeah, no, like they go to some fictional Southeast Asian Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode five. Where's Zemo? (laughs) (laughs) So like, there's something about whatever they've chosen as their house style for. Southeast mm-hmm. Asia stuff. It all looks within the same family of yeah. like cinematography. 
on top of that, though, mix in, it had its own identity in that it did some of that, like, old school, uh, almost like Crouching Tiger cinematography. I was just like, thinking with of the some of the fighting and stuff like that, which I was like, oh, you know, it's, it's you a fight scene in the dark, specifically, that's why. Yeah, like, you, if you lean into that, like, this is going to really stand on its own from the rest of the MCU and have its its style, and that's how they're going to, like, we've talked about this in the past. Each it's going to be like Iron Fist within. Good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't good. That wasn't good at all. But. I will say the fight choreography in that and Daredevil was pretty good. Daredevil was the best mm-hmm. of all of them, but um, not, not. Yeah, yeah, not great. <laughs> okay. But this looked fun. I it's funny because yeah. we obviously had the same thought because the very first thing I texted you the trailer, you texted me sold. I texted you. I have no idea what's going on, but yes, I'm in. <laughs> what's really funny about that is it seems as if i was carrying on a conversation that we were having but i completely missed you sending the trailer and happened to see it <laughs> and oh. sent you that message well considering you sent it to me like directly after like let's call it three minutes after i sent you the trailer <laughs> which was like the perfect amount of time for you to receive a message right. click on and watch the two minute trailer <laughs> compose a response very very odd <laughs> yeah uh, it, just, it just happened to come across my screen at that moment. Uh, that's funny. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Too. Oh, did they give a date for that? I'm sure they did. I'm I sure. am also sure I don't remember. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, which is fine. Yeah. It's fine. When it comes here, I'll be ready for it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. There was some cool looking stuff. There's, some, there's definitely intrigue. I just have no idea what any of it's about yet. I can't wait for the first real trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Give me your... First news. Okay. Again, I have to open a news that I don't have prepared. I have prepared, but not open. So this is from yesterday as well. Um, It's courtesy of The Wrap. I'm Berto Gonzalez. Yes, Michael Keaton really is playing Batman in the flesh. You know, more on this later, but Michael Keaton sporadically popping up in things is something that I am on board with for the foreseeable future. (laughs) Especially when you're not 100% prepared for him. Yeah. It's not it's him. He's just, he's got, he's so likable. And I can't wait for that to bite me in the ass in like, I don't know, six weeks when some garbage thing happens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the best one was because it feels like this was his return to acting in earnest. I'm not saying he wasn't in anything, but he wasn't in anything high profile. Him showing up in the other guys mm. in a somewhat sizable role really caught me by surprise. I was like, Mm. honest to god i haven't even thought about you in 15 years and that was when i was like five years old and i was watching batman returns no i am i'm super pumped that he's gonna be in it i'm not super pumped that we're still in this dc universe correct we talked about that some in recent weeks uh especially with unless this is the thing that fixes it and completely like you know what could you know what could have been good is if they were to lose in Justice League and it were to completely eviscerate <laughs> that universe, that would have been a perfect ending. Well, obviously they teased it with that one of the 37 Lord of the Rings style endings that was yeah. at the end of that with that whole future Injustice style Flashpoint thing, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Michael Keaton's talent agency, ICM Partners, has confirmed the actor will return as Batman and The Flash. The superhero film officially kicked off production in London on Monday, as revealed in an Instagram post from director Andres Machete. Um, that name's familiar. Mm-hmm. Was he the guy who directed it? Mm, maybe. I think that's who it is. Um, why don't you look that up while I continue to read? As the first 
Oh, sorry, as the rap first exclusively reported, Keaton was in talks to return to the role of Batman after nearly 30 years to appear alongside Ezra Miller in Warner Brothers The Flash. But Keaton set the fandom on fire. He did direct it. Yeah, that last name sounded familiar. It's, it's a fairly unique last name. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but Keaton set the fandom on fire last month when he hinted at an interview with Deadline that he might not do The Flash because of his concerns about COVID-19. Um, and then this is something about him hemming and hawing about COVID, which we don't really, we, get, we all get the gist of. Um, Keaton first played Batman in Tim Burton's 1989 blockbuster of the same name, which was a critical and financial success that changed how superhero films were viewed and paved the way for the genre's future box office domination. Keaton's casting was initially controversial among fans as he was primarily known for broad comedies, but his performance, particularly how he uses comedic background and his portrayal of Bruce Wayne to differentiate it from Batman, was, you ought to get nuts! <laughs> was widely praised and is now recognized as a seminal moment in comic book films. Yeah. This last paragraph in this uh, really killed... Oh, sorry, no. Second to last paragraph kills me. Keaton last played Batman in 1992's Batman Returns, but quit the role during development of a third film after Burton was pushed out as director and replaced with Joel Schumacher, who took the series in... Wait for it. A campier direction with 1995's Batman <laughs> Forever and its reviled 1997 follow-up Batman and Robin. Oh my goodness. Just imagine that you need to get rid of Tim Burton because you need to be campier. Right. right. Uh, not to say they didn't succeed, because they did. I'm just I... saying, imagine Tim Burton not being campy enough for you. But imagine imagine <clears throat> Batman Forever where Jim Carrey's Riddler is opposite Michael Keaton's Batman. That would have been awesome. <laughs> yes. Uh, probably would have been more awesome than him and Val Kilmer. And Val Kilmer was fine, but that He's interaction. there, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so anyway, the f- final note on this. The Flash will disregard the latter two entries entirely and explore what Keaton's version of Batman has been up to since we last saw him. Loosely based on the 2011 DC Comics crossover event Flashpoint, previously announced as the film's title at Comic-Con 2017, the story sees Ezra Miller's Barry Allen travel back in time to prevent the death of his mother. The result, Allen inadvertently creates another universe protected by Keaton's Batman, now 30 years old. Oh my god. We'll release on November 4th of 2022. Uh, no. So they... (laughs) Not only are they gonna really confuse people with the whole multiple universes, multiple timelines thing, but that one of those timelines that we're going into... It's also split inadvertently by studios not allowing the director to continue. <laughs> and that's not even taking into account the other other split that is going to end up right, with Robert Pattinson Batman as movie. Batman. Yeah. <laughs> right. This has been uh, something that I've said a couple times over the last few years that has been driving me nuts. And it's that I can't keep track of anything that's going on in DC. There's too many right. different... There's like at one point going to be like an overlapping four different Batman. I just, it's, it's a million half-baked ideas. The thing is, they don't, it's it quarter-baked. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be. But it's like chicken. The M- You know, where like it needs to be fully done. <laughs> DCEU is giving me salmonella. <laughs> DC, the DCEU is undercooked chicken. It is giving me cinematic salmonella. <laughs> Warner Brothers DCEU, cinematic salmonella. <laughs> Perfect. Um, it doesn't even cinematic have... salmonella is going to be a thing going forward, uh, and it is a tongue twister. <laughs> it's what we're going to name our 
electronic style band that's a tribute to death. Oh, oh, oh yes! <laughs> oh, I love that. That's amazing. We just do like chip tune versions of theme songs. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm thinking like theatrical theme songs in the style of a Daft Punk type of situation. Yeah. All right. I'm down with that. Yeah. It's gonna be. Fun. I'd listen to that all day. Yeah, you would. Well, you listen to actual movie soundtracks all day, so why wouldn't you listen to the electronic versions of True. That's true. Oh boy. All right. That's that's news. I'm happy. I'm excited. See, this is and now they now they at least sold a ticket or some viewing of that because I want to see Michael Keaton as Batman again. Correct. But there's a chance that this movie will be fun. Listen, it's, I, I not, there's a there. It's not going to be a good movie. I'm no. not holding out hope for it to be a good movie. It's I'm still not coming out. <laughs> I'm intrigued by the choice of director. I, I know we didn't love it, Chapter Two, but we liked cha- Chapter One quite a chapter bit. Chapter One was great, and I think that a lot of the issues with Chapter Two were foreseeable issues. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I. Uh, in the ser- in all seriousness, though, I don't think this movie is going to come out. Do you think it actually will? It's the second most cursed movie behind Gambit. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still calling it a coin flip. You know what I would like instead? A Tim Burton Flash movie. <laughs> Featuring Michael Keaton. Yes, exactly. I as the Flash. As every character. <laughs> multiplicity? <laughs> it's just gonna be multiplicity. But the DCEU. <laughs> Did you do that on purpose? Because oh, I seem like I caught you by surprise when no, I said it. I, I, you got there before I wanted to get there, but yes, that's what I was going to get. But then <laughs> I was going to go a step further, and then it's actually like his, the main version of him before he's split is actually become a movie director and found that he could make the movie on the cheap if he just uses himself in every role. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is gold, Al. This is... This is much better than the garbage they're putting out. <laughs> can we can we make this movie? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I want to just like I, Michael Keaton taking your. I understand your fears about COVID. What if? <laughs> Listen, how can you get sick if the movie is only starring you? Just many yous. <laughs> oh man, I'm so in. Oh, that'd be great. Cool. All right, news number three, Al. This Wait, time. I got something. Okay. Uh, this is just a nugget. Uh, Mass Effect is quickly approaching, and I'm getting more and more excited the closer it gets. Mass Effect is quickly approaching, and I'm getting more and more upset because I have yet to find a way to buy a fucking Xbox. Oh, that's right. But it's not really, it's not, opti- is it, well, it might be optimized. It's not a next-gen game, though. No, but I, I, know. I, I want understand. a 4K you television. Wanna- I want a play a 4K oh, right. I box. forgot you're working, you're working with the OG Xbox One. I would like Not to the play... the Xbox. That's something else. Yes, I would like to play a 4K optimized game on a yeah, 4K optimized box on my 4K TV. Right. I'm sorry. Remember when I bought that TV six months ago and I said, this will yeah. surely give me enough time to buy a new Xbox. Surely I'll have Xbox. a Series X before I'm vaccinated. <laughs> Honestly, yes. <laughs> Man. Ah, that's a bummer. Sorry I brought that up. But I'm looking for I'm very much looking forward to it and I'm ready to play it again. Well, like four months ago, mm-hmm. my brother's friend Brian was like, when I really want to get an Xbox, he goes, because I know Massacre's coming out. I said, I'm in the same boat as you are. I said, they're going through a lot of supply issues. 
I'm going to guess May. May is around the corner. It is mm-hmm. April 21st when we're recording this. Yeah. No end in sight. No. No. It's a shame. I'm sorry. I'm also, I'm, I'm sitting over here with the, the Series X and the PS5, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm aware. Which, like, whatever. Oh, man. You have to experience the Spider-Man game, though. The PS, the one that was on PS4 that they remastered. For yeah. Me. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It, it, while you're waiting, go get a PS4 Pro <laughs> and play Spider-Man and then just return it within the 30-day window. <laughs> Hi, I would like to exchange this for one Xbox X. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I will pay the difference. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just frustrated mm-hmm. generally with Sorry. all that. First world news problems, I know. But uh, yes, I have news number three ready this time. Hit me. On IGN, this was from earlier today. Oh, um, I didn't go on IGN today, so this will be news to me. <laughs> Netflix, colon, The Witcher, Sex Education, You, and Money Heist to return in the second half of 2021. <laughs> Sorry. I, and Money if you if that was all one thing, like uh, <laughs> The Witcher, colon, Sex Education. <laughs> no, those are all commas. <laughs> Sorry, let me try that again. Netflix, colon... <laughs> The Witcher, comma, Sex Education, comma, you, comma, Money Heist, comma, and Steve to return in the second half of 2021. I, I'm all for The Witcher, Sex Education. I'm down. I mean, there was plenty of sex, so I suppose they might as well take some time to teach us about it. So we're going to get some, we're going to get a uh, Cavill's Gavels. They're coming back. Cavill's Gavels. <laughs> <laughs> Toss a coin to your streamer. Netflix has Stop. announced that was the subtitle <laughs> of the article. I didn't I didn't make it up. It's right here. I'll My show it. My car still does that when I summon it. Oh, I never actually have gotten to experience that from your car. No, yet, you haven't. Um, <laughs> you just, I hold the summon button and it goes ring <laughs> when a humble bar. <laughs> <laughs> so well this is actually good news because I could have swore they said it was gonna be early twenty twenty two when the next season came out. So Mm. And considering when is, it, when is it coming out, you you said a date. I second half of 2020. Nice, that's awesome. That'll so, probably be around the same time of a year that it came out originally, right? Like two years ago. No, I'm pretty sure it came out in. I think like, it was a December joint. It it was either December of 2019, no, December of 2018 or January of 2019. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was a December jam because I was feel like I watched around. it around the time, like just up to Christmas. See, I couldn't remember if we watched it right leading up to Christmas or like Christmas to New Year's or right after New Hard Year's. Hard to say. It was somewhere around that time. I feel like the Christmas tree was up. What's in a month? That could be wrong. What's a year? In <laughs> <laughs> uh, this case, several years. Um, anyway, the news of these shows returning to the streaming service arrived in the company's report on the first quarter financial results for the year. Netflix reported just under 4 million new subscribers. No one actually cares about this. Um, Netflix highlighted The Witcher. <laughs> Sex Education, You, and Money Heist as some of the, quote, big hits that would be returning with additional seasons. Witches, Sex Education, and You. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's an exciting array of original movies. Featuring Steve. <laughs> Sorry. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> including the likes. It's an exciting array of original movies, including the likes of large-scale, star-driven features like Red Notice and Don't Look Up which both appeared on Netflix's sizzle reel for 2021. Alongside its sizzle reel, Netflix pledged to release at least one new movie a week throughout 2021 for a total of at least 70. 
it's too many. Um, other notable titles announced at the start of the year included Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, Halle Berry's directorial debut, Bruised, superhero comedy Thunder Force, and the action film Escape from Spiderhead, which stars Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, and Journey Smollett. When does Free Guy come out? <laughs> that's, that's not a Netflix one, is it? Oh, I thought it was. I'm not sure. I thought that was going to get a theatrical release and all. Oh, maybe maybe you're right. Netflix has also been investing more in anime content after noting an exceptional uptake in anime streaming on the platform, with statistics showing that over 100 million households globally watched at least one anime title on Netflix between October 2019 and September 2020, another increase of more than 50% on the previous year's figures. With dozens of new shows and movies on the horizon, there's going to be plenty for everyone to stream over the coming months, though The Witcher Season 2 is likely to be one of the most anticipated titles given the success of its debut season. Henry Cavill showed a photo earlier this month to celebrate the second season wrapping production. <clears throat> season 2 of The Witcher will pick up with Geralt of Rivia. Is it Geralt or Geralt? I always forget. Geralt. Geralt of Rivia. Taking Princess Cirilla to the safest place he knows, his childhood home of Kaer Morhen, where he will strive to protect Ciri from the mysterious power she possesses inside while the continent's kings, elves, humans, and demons strive for supremacy outside the walls of the castle located within the kingdom of Cadwin. Cool. And then it says that season three is expected to be announced at some point. Uh, they're also working on The Witcher Blood Origin, a six-part spin-off prequel series set 1,200 years before Geralt walked the lands of the Northern Kingdoms. And The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf, an anime feature film centered around Vesemir, Geralt's close friend and mentor. Yeah, I wonder if that'll come before Vesemir or not. But Well, originally, and this is what I was getting to when they said that it was going to be like the start of next year, I could have swore the movie was supposed to be out first to kind of introduce right. that character because we've only heard him mentioned like at the very end of that season. Mm-hmm. Either way, I'm pumped to watch more of that. I also, I think we had talked about it on the show. I rewatched that with Kim. She was into it too. So we'll probably watch the next season together. I remember you saying that you were, you were rewatching it. Um, I will probably rewatch that when this new season is approaching. Because it's a a good show. It's fun. It's just, I enjoyed it, but there was a pretty deep mythology that I only barely got a handle on. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely going to forget a lot of that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I did. And when rewatching it, I was like, it was all coming back. And I was like, right, 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 right. <laughs> well, I'm surely the, the, the worst part of it is going to be just all of the names and timelines are going to jumble in my head to a yeah. fairly understandable mess. So easily, easily. Uh, cool. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Shall we recap season five? Nope. Episode five. <laughs> season one. Season San Zemo. <laughs> send, send Zemo at this point, yes. Um, you all right? <laughs> um, now you unmuted it because I hear you booping the fucking microphone trying to hit the it button. No, it, it, it booped, it unmuted, but like when I released it, it remuted. Ah, so uh, I usually get the opposite this, version where I try to. This thing's mute been it. finicky lately. I have to. I have an issue muting, but I mm. typically don't yeah, have an issue Yeah, it doesn't unmuting. always mute when I click it. Yep. Which is weird. Yeah. It's annoying. It's annoying. But anyway, uh, anyway yes. Uh, I will say, continuing on the theme of this show, I feel like I really like the idea of it. I feel like I've liked some of the specifics. I haven't loved how it's all come together. Hmm. Um, 
this is an episode that would typically have been like episode eight of the 13 episode Netflix series. And it would have been fun for a while. And then the next two episodes still wouldn't have advanced the plot anymore. And that's when everyone would start to tear their hair out of their head. Um, so kudos to them for finally taking our advice that we gave for a couple of years. Shoot with like Titan. Get back. Titan. Yeah, tighten it up. Um, that being said. It feels like there's too much to tighten. <laughs> yes. It feels yeah. like there needs to be at least two episodes left. And there's yeah. not. I'm with you on that. I will say I'm on. Uh, I definitely am liking it a bit more than you. I'm, yes. I'm super. I've been. I've been like super into it every week, sitting down to watch it, pumped to watch it. And like. I know what I'm. I know what I'm getting into. It's not going to be, the. It's not the best Marvel property, but I'm really enjoying it. And it's like, does it have its issues? Certain. Like, and it's definitely clunky here and there. But overall, it's a fun watch. It's a. It 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 definitely remind. It is definitely, for me, it's the MCU version of the Mandalorian. It's hitting those. No, it's. Not, I like the Mandalorian a bit more only because I'm more into the Star Wars universe. But like it's doing it's doing that in the way where like I am I am hooked. I want to see where it's going. I'm enjoying my entire stretch of time that I sit down with it. And I'm never really I I'm actually only a little bit bummed when it's over because I want more. Yeah, I <sighs> see the, the problem with comparing it to Mandalorian is by and large, it's standalone episodes with a little bit of story, and this is clearly meant this is a to long movie. This be is Zack Snyder's Justice movie. League. But you yeah. can't watch it all at once. Which is for the best, probably, because yes. I think I would get bored of watching this for six straight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't like it. If you're planning on making it like that, like when you're making a, a movie, right? The story is meant to be told across this period mm-hmm. of time, right? And it is a story. They're not managing the flow of story well. Okay, that I that I will agree with and I will say I am curious because I feel like we might I might have we might have talked about this last week and I'm pretty sure we brought it up before, but at some point in the past wasn't there like a rumor of this being a movie? Yes. And my guess is that they just didn't change the story and then found filler. But that's like getting they, back they, to the the old shows issues where yeah, like there was so much filler. Now they were smart in not padding it out to that length, but mm-hmm. like there is enough here where like it could work well. Like, at, like I like a lot of the ideas they're pursuing. I like some of the characters and some of the set mm-hmm. pieces. Um, I wouldn't say I dislike the show. It's just not impressed me in any, like hmm. the first two episodes were fine. I liked the third episode. I really liked the fourth episode. And I was like, okay, I'll forgive you taking a little minute to get going where you want to go because now where you're headed, I'm on board. And then they blew up the whole Zemo thing, which understandable. Like that was always going to happen in some way, shape or form, but like it felt like kind of a wet blanket the way they did it. I don't think that that's over though. Yeah, but it's, wherever it continues, it ain't going to be on this show. No, probably not. That's probably my point. Unless, you know it's a, I mean? unless it's a post-credit scene of the of the finale that's going to lead it to something else later. My point but, is, yeah. that's something else. It's not this right. show anymore. You know? Mm-hmm. So, like, season five, I liked the idea of season, or of episode five. I liked it. Like, there was some interesting character moments. There was some plot threads that were either set up or paid off. Yep. But it, it's not a penultimate episode of a season. This should have been the midway point of a season. 
Mm, um, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I'm torn. So I could see the, the previous episode being the second to last episode because of how crazy it ends. And like, okay, now we need to solve this. That's what I'm saying. Like chronologically, if they'd flipped the two of them would have made more sense from like just the flow of where it's all going. But just like still in all, I continue to say that we need two more episodes to finish the show because there's so many threads. There's so many threads. And we introduced a new character that I was like, it definitely in the moment I was like, oh no, like, oh, this is awesome. Oh no, we don't have time for this. That's what I'm saying. Like we have yeah. to tie off the Walker I'm, thing, which the Walker thing isn't going towards conclusion. It's starting a whole new chapter. I, I think, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, th- I feel like the next episode is going to be very, very fast paced. I also am curious how long it's going to be. I'm just saying you have a new Walker storyline, which where it should feel like it should be wrapping to a conclusion. You have new stuff that they're tipping off. Like unless, unless now it always obvious was obvious that WandaVision was going to be one season. Is this going to be a, a thing? Is there going to be a season two of Falcon and Winter Soldier? So if that's uh-huh. the case, then okay. I like, I'll take this down a notch 10%. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. because, okay. If, because they're opening up so many different pathways. I don't know how you resolve the Walker situation, Sam and, and Bucky's personal lives that are obviously dovetailing in a certain way with the, you know, thematically with, where the show yep. is going, the the Carly storyline, which obviously needs the two of them, and the power broker situation, and Zemo and Wakanda. That's yeah. six storylines that need to be wrapped up in an hour. Yeah, so I do kind of wonder if Zemo and Wakanda is going to lead into a se- into the Black Panther sequel, which makes sense. So then, if right. you're going to do some sort of it's team, a, it's up, a way to get him there. If Black Panther two is Zemo going over there, and Sam and Bucky feel like they have to make it right, and it becomes an ensemble in the way that. They're doing, which I actually like that, you know, every single character doesn't have to have their own series of movies. We can have collaborations. We can have a Hulk and Thor movie, right? We can have a, uh, sorry, a Hulk and Thor and Loki movie, right? We can have a Doctor Strange and Wanda Maximoff movie. And Mm. we can have a Spider-Man and whatever else that's going to be, because you know some of that's going to, Doctor Strange as well is going to flow into that. So fine, we'll have a a Black Panther and White Wolf and Zemo and Falcon movie too. Like that, that could work. You know what I mean? Like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm cool with that. Um, So maybe we get an announcement of that, like the day after the the finale of this one happens, right? Because we're gonna get some post credits. They're gonna. I think they they, they're probably gonna drop big news with the finale. I would think so. um, Of where it's gonna go. So if that's what they do, okay, fine, fair enough. But even still, I would say this hasn't been as satisfying as connective tissue to the rest of the MCU as WandaVision was even. You know what I mean? Forget about the qualities of the show and how much I enjoyed them. That one did a much better job setting up what's to come while still serving its own story than this seems to be doing. Because when we came down to the second to last episode of WandaVision, I felt like, oh, yeah, next episode is when they're going to finish up all these storylines, you know? Mm -hmm. And they did. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt only because they haven't given me any reason to doubt them yet. It's not like this will be some horrible misfire. It's just going to be... No, but they might, they might, they still might be able to wrap it up in such a way that you go, oh, like, it kind of makes it... Like, I'm, I don't know that they're going to do this, but it, it could be that the way that they've structured the rest of the show leads to something very specific or that they had to do it this way to make something work because it's not... It's not beyond them to do that, right? To like really be thinking ahead to how they want this to play out in a finale, and like sure, I, I guess my point is just thus far, you know, five out of six episodes—that's a vast majority of the content that they've had planned. 
while it's not been bad, it's not been a train wreck in any sort of way. It's been on the lower half of their offerings. It's not like, you know, we can, it's, we can say we trust them, have faith that they'll do a pretty good job, but sometimes you still miss, like you can check the boxes and you can still miss. And like, it's not the end of the world. It's not, you know, well, fuck them. I'm not going to watch anything else after. No, like, no one is perfect. Like, mm. honestly, they need to get something wrong occasionally because yeah. Yeah. that means they took a swing I, and it just didn't work. You know, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not as hard on it. I do think I, I'm still I'm still fine with it so far. But I guess check in with me next week when it wraps up, because I will be I, I I'm I'm currently thinking that they have a plan for like yeah. making this feel very cohesive. And like, I do think that in the end, this one would have been better as a binge watch. Probably, I right? guess. Let me get through some of it and then get through the rest of it the next night or something. Because like, yeah, really, like if they dropped on a Friday and I watched it all by Sunday night. Yeah, because what, what bothered me, this was the first time that they did it where like the, the episode really ended. Like there was a very cliffhangery ending of like very Pulp Fiction open the briefcase. Like I like I I know kind of what's in there, but I want to see it, you yeah. know, and like the way that they, like that. I think that that to make episode five strong and finished put on whatever's in that box and then end it don't let me see what it can do don't let me see what he's gonna do with it let me see it (laughs) you know like i don't like that i have to i had to wait a week for that because i know that it's only a week and it's like no like give that to me now like you you have something bigger that you need to do next week which is wrap this shit up so give me that now like i want that well honestly that box they dangle that box in front of me for the the entire episode and then didn't show me what's in it and that's that that actually did bother me well, not only that, but just when you consider the like the efficiency of the storytelling, you can spend 30 seconds on it at the end of this episode, but reframing and reintroducing it probably means you waste five minutes in the next one. Hmm. I want it now. <laughs> I realize it's only a day away right now, but... Literally, wanna... like... It's today, by the time you're hearing this. Well, by the time you hear it, right but I'm saying, by the time we're done recording this, it's going to be like 23 Less hours. Less than 24 hours. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really curious how they're going to wrap it up. I, uh, I'm i very curious who the Julia Louis-Dreyfus character Julia Louis... I don't think I don't think I pronounced all of the syllables in her name the first time. <laughs> I You gave up after the F in Dreyfus. Because <laughs> I stopped myself. Alright, so I was, I was there up until that point? Yeah, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Okay. Uh, I... <laughs> That was the that was a mistake in that like they might be able to do something awesome with it going forward, but that was the mistake to to your point of like you can't introduce someone right now. We're we got so much to clean up still. So well, especially because especially because that story didn't continue anymore in this episode. Right. I also love how like I online afterwards it was like, is she the power broker? I'm like, no, no. Like we know we know who the power broker is. It they, it was very thinly veiled. Yes. <laughs> And if, like if getting thinner and thinner program, by I'm now. I'm going to be very confused. <laughs> well, I mean, I, as, I, as I said, okay, so maybe she's the power broker's top lieutenant. But, like, it still feels like at this point, she has to be the power broker, right? Like, yeah. Um, because it's good. Because imagine another thread of, oh my God. Here's another thread. <laughs> We're going to open a thread in the finale. Oh, by the way, this is the power broker. And Sharon's been working for her all along. Act shocked. Yeah. But also, I just have to take a side bar here i was so confused i thought you were gaslighting me when i messaged you about no i i had watched it i guess a few days before that well i also had a moment of panic like did i imagine anthony texting me that he watched the whole episode and that there was a post-credit scene because 
I just texted him what would be a spoiler if he hadn't seen it. And I feel like I was a hundred percent certain that you had already watched yeah. it. And yeah. then for, I had a moment like, wait, am I a fucking idiot? That wasn't not even Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And if it was like someone else, like, <laughs> what'd you say? That was, that was in the act. That wasn't even in the post credits. That was in the, the in the show. No, no, you messaged me saying you watched oh, the episode the and that there was a post credit. And I was like, did I imagine that conversation? And he didn't actually watch this. And so he doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Oh man, in that in that post credit scene though of uh, 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 Carl making the new shield, uh, Carl making his Carl from up, <laughs> making his his cap his Captain America shield. I was like, oh man, like I know, like the majority of these shows are like kind of like PG thirteen. They find a better way. Uh, we we gotta kill this guy. <laughs> we, we really we gotta kill him. It's not good. It's not looking good. <laughs> no. Um, also, how's he, what is he making that shield out of? Uh, aluminum? Because where would he have gotten <laughs> enough vibranium to make? It's definitely not vibranium because not only would he not be able to get it, he wouldn't be able to to manipulate it into his shield. Also, when did he learn metalworking? When did he learn how to smelt? I think... Where did he learn I his think forgery? Maybe he selected that perk when he took the upgrade. <laughs> Do you think that's how that went down? <laughs> Did he apprentice as a blacksmith? I just need to know. Plus things. one blacksmith. <laughs> Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I saw there was, it wasn't even a video. It was a still. It was circling the internet the other day of Jack Black on, I want to say Conan, some late night show. I forget. And he was playing some ridiculous looking instrument and he looks the way that Jack Black looks when he's not in movies now, which borderline homeless. Mm-hmm. And someone captioned it. This is what it looks like when you like play an RPG and dump all of your points into charisma. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. That guy cracks me up. Al, you ready for some fun and games? Sure. All right. So this week, uh, bringing back the idea from last week, we're going to do 20 questions. Okay. You've played 20 questions as a kid before, right? So I'm just going to ask you questions, right? Uh, yes or no questions. Is it larger on... than a bread box? <laughs> oh, wait, <laughs> we didn't start yet. <laughs> uh, yes or no questions. Uh, you, well, I'll do my best and figure out, like, if there's any gray areas, maybe I won't answer the, I won't count those. Okay. Or whatever, are, depending sorry, on how are it goes. You, sorry, are you going to be giving me, like, a theme? No. Or? Okay. I want to see where we go, just from from getting it started because we we did pretty good back in the day when it wasn't even a movies podcast we we did pretty good at getting there so see did, did we you, play you, 20 questions on uh on the shit show oh i wasn't part of that okay um that being said it's nine it's really 19 questions and a guess just is that how 20 questions work okay that's how they that's how they do it on game scoop which was the which is where we uh, got the idea to do okay. it with the movies okay so so I'm guessing credit, I'm, giving, I'm giving credit to GameScoop, just to be very clear. They didn't invent 20 questions. No, they didn't, but they do it on a podcast, and it's very entertaining to me. I find it very fun. So, so I'm trying to guess a movie is what I'm doing here? You are trying to guess a movie, yes. Okay, that's why I was asking when I said themes, because like my oh, husband sorry. had a yeah, bread box is, question. No, no, it's, you can, maybe you not you can table the bread box question. <laughs> also, what a dated reference, because anyone playing that game who like is just learning the game now as a young person has no idea what a bread box is. That hasn't mm. mattered since the 50s. Yeah, that's true. I, uh, growing up, our friends, Karen and Lauren had a, they had a bread box on the counter. Like it was like this weird, like roll up yep. 
box thing. That was cool. There was never bread in it, though. I've seen my bread box, but like, I'm sure those people still have it. But it yeah. used to be like everyone had one. I put my bread in the fridge. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Depends on the bread. Sure. You get a fresh loaf of, loaf of town. You eat all of actual. it. Well, you leave it on the counter because you're going no, to. You eat it all. Yeah. Either that or you, you leave it out on the counter, let it get all dried up and stale. You make some meatballs. Or soup. You just dip some in soup. Or soup. Or, or breadcrumb. Bread in the oven. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of the options. Yes. You just you could also just freeze it and then you could put it in the oven and toast it back up. That's nice. that's what I was going for, yeah. Yeah. I uh I really like Italian bread. I really like bread. bread yeah, it makes no, you I fat. <laughs> <laughs> I can eat bread all day. <laughs> Twenty questions. 20 so questions. it has to be in the form of a question that you would yes be able no. to answer in a yes or no. That's correct. Was this- uh, I was just going to say I, a couple of things that we did. We, we try to like whittle down genres. We would try to whittle down like actors that were in it. Uh, well-known, uh, well-received, things like that. Um, and then like ratings, uh, years were helpful, things like that. So like just to give yeah, you that's, that's I know where you're kind of going in blind. So That's where I was going to start. Mm-hmm. Was this movie made after the year 2000? Yes. Okay. Does this movie heavily feature CGI? Yes. Does this movie heavily feature action sequences? Yes. Would you categorize this movie as uh, I I, I kind of wanted to I'm I'm saying it's a light it's a soft yes on that last one. <laughs> but it's ac- a yes. The action sequences? Yeah, but it's a yes, but it's a soft yes. But I feel like I asked a yes or no question. You will understand why when we get there. <laughs> Go on. I feel like I had confidence. I was building confidence. <laughs> Go ahead. Ask your next question. Drained the conf- confidence. You had, you had a good question coming up. I cut you off. Oh, is this movie categorized as sci-fi? Yes. Hmm. Was that four questions? Yep. Was this movie made after 2010? Yes. Okay. Is this movie part of the MCU? No. Okay. Hmm. Was this movie nominated for any Oscars in a major category saying, meaning like director, writer, any of the acting categories? Please hold. <laughs> what? Uh, please hold. I, I know that that information is on IMDb, but on the IMDb app, it's not readily available. Okay. Meaning I'm like, I, to... I don't, I don't care if it was nominated for like, Best like animation or what? Yeah, you know, I mean like that sort of shit. Yeah, yeah. Let me uh, let me see. One second. I almost said the name of the movie out loud as I was typing it. <laughs> I want you to know that that would have been a bummer. <laughs> so you said it wasn't uh, MCU, right? It was not MCU. Okay. Uh, I'm looking for where do you, uh, you you do this more often than I do. Okay. Where do you find? So you're gonna go to IMDb. Yeah. I'm going to look up the movie The Godfather so that I can give you a frame of reference. Okay. Uh, well, this is awkward. <laughs> not how that works. Not sci-fi. It's not, not after not, not after 2010. <laughs> Wait, the uh, the coda cut or whatever the hell. <laughs> That's the third one, The Death of Michael, Cor- Michael Corleone. So you're going to scroll down below cast, yeah. below director, below the videos and images, and then you're going to see awards. Story, I, I don't see anything that says awards. It should be above user reviews. I, I'm going to guess no. I'm going to say no. Well, the thing is, the even, if, of... even if it wasn't nominated for like the Oscars, it would show other awards. Like, nominated this is in the for, Did You Know like, section. 
It's above that. It's above that? There's nothing above that. You're looking at a different version of the app. Storyline. All right. Bear with us, folks. We're learning a little bit. No, about it's okay. Right but I, no, it's fine. I'm just going to retract that question, though, since you can't All answer right. it. Fair enough. Um, was this movie directed by Christopher Nolan? No. Hmm. That's taking the wind out of my sails a bit as well. Was this movie a major theatrical release? Yes. Is this movie a part of any major franchise of movies? No. Hmm. Interesting. Even if those movies haven't come out yet. No. Hmm. Uh, don't take my hesitation as anything there. Just no. the answer is a clear cut no. <laughs> no, no that, I, didn't, I didn't read any hesitation. Okay, all mm. right, cool. Hmm. No, because I was wondering for a second if you were trying to trap me in the technicality of Avatar or something like that. Oh, God. <laughs> Technically, there's 17 of them. Well, no, my point was like, that's a franchise, but the second movie hasn't actually come out yet, but like right. six of them are in the process of being made. You know? Right. Um. Fuck. Is the director a man? Um, I don't like that you don't know the answer to this off the top of your head. There are multiple people listed as director. Now, if I guess the movie here, <laughs> does it count as a question uh, oh, or does it end the if game? You, if you get the movie wrong, you lose. So does you might want to whittle it down a little bit further. Does the movie star Tom Hanks? Yes! <laughs> Does the movie also star Halle Berry, Hugo Weaving, Jim Broadbent? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, your hesitation to answer the question about the director, and I, I was like, wow, this should be fairly obvious for you to answer right off the top of your head. And then I immediately knew the answer because you didn't have an answer yes or no right off the top of your head. No, so I, I was going to appropriately answer that question Immediately, the problem was it well, does plural, there are th- plural is the issue here. <laughs> I know. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of people that are listed as the director of this movie. Yeah, not a commentary on uh, gender and the fact no. that the Wachowskis are are trans. I knew it was you didn't know the answer because you had to check how many people directed. <laughs> I that was, and the answer to that my question was kind of yes. One third of the directors is a man. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Tom Tickwer is a man, and yeah, he was one right. of the three directors in this movie. <laughs> that's right. Because how often does one Wait, get a movie? You have to say it out loud. Did you say the name? Oh, of it's Cloud Atlas. Atlas. That's good. Yes, it is Cloud Atlas. So you got that in twelve. Yes, okay. I. It's a very specific movie, so I was a little thrown yeah. off. Well, there. I, I wanted to. I figured I'd start off with something that you love. To kind of break the ice into 20 questions. I will say that this was a bit more engaging than the quizzes that we've done as of late. <laughs> so I yes. I kind of like this idea. Now, do you want to do this like alternating? Do you want me to pick uh, up for we you could next do week? That. that would be fun. Yeah. Okay. I also think this will be a lot more fun when we have guests on because it's fun to kind of go back and forth with people. Yeah. Well, and, it's, and this is a more engaging game having three people than the quizzes. Yeah, because especially when you get stuck and you don't know what to ask. Well, I'll say, because you, yes, you don't play 40 questions, right? You just have two people and you just alternate questions or whatever. Exactly. Is fun. Exactly, yes. So, so I assumed you were going to go with a Nolan movie. I was kind of had in my back pocket. I was wondering if it was going to be Interstellar. That was uh, a Nolan movie was going to be one of my other options. Um, was the other thing that I thought about. But I was like, let me just go with something that I know that like he will he'll get there. Or worst case scenario, he won't get there and he will be very upset. <laughs> No, I mean, I probably would have gotten there because I think the questions I was doing was doing a good job of eventually hemming you in. Yeah. 
Um, uh, you, you, the thing is, you get you will like it's fun because like I, that's what I like about this game is like you do, especially when you know you know we know a lot of movies. Like there's a lot of routes you can take. Um, I don't know. It's it's just a fun game. The funny thing is, I almost asked the director question as was was the director American born? Because the other one I had in my back pocket was I was wondering if it was a rival. Mm. And what's his name? Denis Villeneuve is Canadian. Um, but I'm glad that I got it. I'm glad that it, I didn't get right up to the uh, the bitter end of it. I, that I still had a few questions to spare. And then I feel like there's also like the uh, we've we've done so many movies we know each other well. There's also like a is this a me movie? Is it <laughs> like a very it could be a real question? Come back <laughs> next week when I pick the most obscure 1950s movie. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I, uh, we actually we probably should come up with like a year cap, like 1970 or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I would say that it's probably better off if you can if if we're fairly confident the other person's seen the movie. Sure, which will kind of very closely hew to the 1970 thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Not to say that neither of us hasn't seen. Oh, I'm sorry, you got it wrong. It was actually the lesser known Mel Brooks film, Dracula Dead and Loving It. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that was a Mel Brooks movie, actually. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny because I have recorded um, high anxiety, mm-hmm. but I can't watch it until I watch Vertigo because there's no point in me watching a movie that satirizes slash parodies. Uh, that's a good that point. Seen. Same. The same. I have high anxiety because uh, I have the collection, but I, uh, I have not seen Vertigo. I really want to watch high anxiety and the original producers, because I've never seen that. Mm-hmm. Me neither. I think with the exception of maybe the Dracula one, I've seen all the other, at least all the other major Mel Brooks ones. Maybe there's yeah. a couple of lesser known ones that I'm not familiar with, but some space balls, history of the world, the producers, blazing saddles. Um, oh, that's actor. Sorry. He also directed those, but <laughs> my God, he was in a lot of things. I bet. Writer. Come on, soundtrack, soundtrack producer. Where the hell is director? There we go. All right. Uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It, Robin Hood in Tights, Life Stinks, Spaceballs, History of the World, High Anxiety, Silent Movie. Oh, Silent Movie. Did you ever see that? No, I have heard of that one, though. I did know it was one of his. I That's forgot. That's silly. Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, The Twelve Chairs, The Producers. I've never heard of yeah. Twelve Chairs. Cool. Is that supposed All to right. be Twelve Angry Men? Or uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> With that, let us get into our flick of the week. The Trial of the Chicago 7, released in 2020, rated R with a two-hour and nine-minute runtime. The story of seven people on trial stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. Pretty okay. Yeah, that was, a good, that was probably one of the better synopsis in a yeah. <laughs> well, the, in a while. The, the, the weirdest ones are the ones that they're technically true, but but you missed largely the irrelevant movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you you've chosen to largely leave alone the major points of why the movie is worth watching or talking about or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, like you boring? can infer from the from the time frame and what was going on, you could infer that there's going to be a lot of strong emphasis on like racially charged <laughs> things that are going on because that's really what I feel like where the movie shines is when it really explores those things. Mm-hmm. But it's not listed in the synopsis, which is which is fine because as yeah. the plot of the movie goes, that's the plot mm-hmm. of the core movie. So, Al, give me your tweet link. 
before Farce. your phone dies. Farce. Noun. An empty or patently ridiculous act, proceeding, or situation. Example. I shit you not. This comes directly from Merriam-Webster's dictionary. The trial became a farce. Nice. Nice. Trial of the Chicago 7 is a perfect cocktail of ingredients for which I'm a sucker. Equal parts, witty banter, Sorkin dialogue, and true story. Barkeep. I'll have another. <laughs> 8.5 out of 10. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I went with it too. I, it's, it's, I, I rarely give the point, um, the uh, the half point. I uh, and yet you were was, the one who created the thuckle system. <laughs> I did create. I, I for some reason I find it more stomachable. Um, the sorry, I, I, hang on a second. The stomachable thuckle. <laughs> stomachable <laughs> and also the idea that it's more palatable to you <laughs> to have parts of fingers, <laughs> no. but not parts of points. Yeah, abstract well, points yeah, we're talking the, about uh, <laughs> well, the phrasing is not great but what it comes down to is if, uh, at the the half point scale mostly feels to me like you're, it's non-committal but in a movie like this it's better than eights but it's not quite a nine i get it it feels non-committal when you're talking about a movie but you really have to mean it to chop off half your thumb <laughs> chop, yeah you gotta mean it what's gotta, more committed gotta know than chopping off part of your thumb you gotta you gotta mean it <laughs> oh man i uh, i this movie um it was a it was a treat to see a movie like this after going so long without like a a new good movie yes um pursuant to our conversation last week and i didn't do that just because we had a courtroom drama but um sure we uh Talked about a little last week in which I am way behind on Oscar movies. And if I was clamoring for new movies to watch, specifically new movies that were actually intending to be movies and not what they're dropping in our laps on HBO Max. <laughs> right. um, look no further than a movie like this, which is like well-made and has a story to tell and is good. And like, Incredible it's trying to be good and succeeds at being good. <laughs> yeah. And it like, it does. I love what they do with characters. Like the, the characters are, are, are so well-written. Um, granted they're based on real people, but the way that that executes on screen, uh, Sorkin's writing, he does something with like, he, he, I like a characters in this is established, right? And you know who that person is. You learn about them. They act in that position the entire movie, and when you really need to make a point, you make them pivot against their will, and mm-hmm. he does that, and he does it so well. <laughs> and like, and it really it makes up it makes something hit every time that 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 plays out. The, the just thing just I, just get out of your system. Don is the quintessential Sorkin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I know he's this, your favorite. I know you this, love the in this room. movie. I know you love though, him. The, in this movie, it was actually. Uh, let me see if I could get the character's name real quick for you. Definitely not stalling by Tom any Hayden. means. Tom John Carroll Lynch, played by oh. Dave, or no, you got no. John Carroll Lynch <laughs> played David Dellinger. Correct. Uh, Obviously, we've talked about this before, so we're going to talk about actual specifics in the movie. So if you don't want anything spoiled for you, you have to either pause this and watch it or be okay with it. <laughs> That's just how... Guys, guys it's on Netflix. It's super easy to access. It's, it's, it's super easy. Also, this is not a movie that you could really have spoiled for you because the it's actually in the experience of watching it that is everything comes out. But um, David Dillinger's character 
the pacifist. Dellinger. Dellinger? Get it right. Dellinger? It was like a whole thing in the Dellinger? I don't know. Dellinger? Um, No relation. Uh, (laughs) We'll get get to that later. But uh, Daddy, no! David (laughs) Dellinger's character, when he... So, pacifist, right? Um, Son's talking to him early on in the movie. This is where we, we get... We get into who this character is. No, I'm not going to swing at anybody. No, I'm not going to hit anybody. No, not even if they come at me. Like, there's ways to deal with this. Ways uh, Stands by that the entire film until it becomes too much. And almost against his will, he punches the court officer. And when that happened, there was a... I went... <gasps> well, what's, 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 there's a couple of things that were incredible about that. One, yes, it's a good bit of, like, visual storytelling to show how the guy who is preaching nonviolence his whole life and has gone to such great lengths at all turns to be nonviolent finally snaps and does it. And that, that goes to show you just the level of stress and anxiety. And, and, you know, this is just too far that they've all had to go go through. Right. That's the one part of it too. Mm -hmm. The moment he chooses is also like the least likely of all the moments for it to happen. It's in like, he was in the least danger it was right. the least, like, outwardly dangerous situation, and like, mo- like, like the the least like outwardly like calling for situation. Like, it could have happened on the march to the bridge. It could have happened when the cops surround them outside the restaurant. It could have happened mm-hmm. during the first uh, situation uh, on the hill. It could have happened so many times before this, and for it to All happen right. in relative safety, where no one was like actually outwardly attacked, and they weren't even trying to drag him away. They were just trying to get him to sit in the, the seat. So those two facts like juxtaposed together is what makes it such a striking scene yeah because they, they do it what that does it gives you that perfect like that pressure cooker right it was building it was building it was building it was building and even though he thought he had himself under control like it, it all became too much for even him who wasn't in the worst of the situation and you can and, see it too because he immediately apologizes to him yeah. to the not not to the court not to save face no, to the to, to the guy he punched yeah yeah. Twice, oh. I believe he apologizes to him. Yeah, he does. I, it, it, that that scene really got me. That I don't know, that, like, but that's that's what I'm getting at. With uh, I feel like he does that thing where like he can he, Sorkin can do a lot with his. I I, I think his writing's fantastic. I do think that well, also, you write a character like, like, like to, with, to that character's point, like that was a perfect casting. John Carlynch, great yeah. character actor. Yeah, he's he was awesome. But like to to be able to do that to really establish his character and. And make sure that they stay true to the character and show no cracks until it becomes absolutely necessary. Is like because it really drives the point home when it happens. And it's like, and he doesn't do that. Like, it's not every character doesn't go through that. Like, he uses it sparingly. I feel like, and like one character will really do that. But it's really that character telling the the story of the whole situation in that moment. Well, then, you got to see it with about half the characters, right? Because Tom Hayden is supposed to be the cool, calm, collected, above it all you know, we're going to win at their own game thing. And Mm -hmm. he cracks. He's the one who allegedly inadvertently starts the riot in earnest. He's the Mm -hmm. one who cracks on the stand. He's the one who breaks with tradition for the sentencing, all that, by the way, all these things, unfortunately, some, some of the big, unfortunately, the big moments that we're talking about are not a hundred percent true or were rearranged from other characters in real life. It seems, but the spirit of this is all seems to be as, best I can tell with my limited research to be close to on the up and up, which is all you can really ask uh, for. And it's something I was talking actually about with my cousin, Mike earlier today. Hey Mike, Um, that this is obviously a very important passion project of 
Sorkin's. Uh, I was doing a little research on the making of this movie. Apparently he wrote the script in 2007, I believe, mm-hmm. for this movie. And Spielberg was going to direct it for him. And then the writer's strike happened and it got shelved for a while. Spielberg no longer was attached. He ended up directing it himself. Um, but you can see that, I mean, this that's 15 years ago, 14 yeah. years ago, whatever. Um, and it's infiltrated other parts of what he's done as well, because I, the only reason I've ever heard of Abby Hoffman and the only one of two times I've ever heard of the Gippies in my life was in the newsroom in season two, mm. when the Occupy Wall Street thing is that storyline is going on in that season. And they're talking about it in the office and will mentions like I got what Abby Hoffman was about and the yippies and what they were doing. And I don't get this. It's a, like a leaderless direction, yeah. directionless thing. This is something that's been on his mind for yeah, so he's been long about it for quite a while. <laughs> so that's to true. see the, like the care and concern for the material, like, yes, okay, we're going to dramatize it. So there's going to be some things that we tweak and we move mm. and whatever, but all the major legitimate real things that happen in this, like the, the biggest inflection points, they happened, right? The riot happened. The, mm-hmm. the first confrontation happened. The speech about blood in the streets uh. happened. Bobby Seals beating and gagging in a courtroom and yeah. his repeated and consistent denials to counsel, which is a constitutional right. right. Those things actually happen. Now, they may have tweaked and played with the chronology a little bit. Does that really matter in a movie? This isn't a fucking documentary. No. Like, and it's as close as you're going to get to a, like a movie being a documentary. Like, yeah. All of the important parts of this it's matter there. and happened. Basically. Yeah. Man, I, uh, I want to circle back to the thing you mentioned about uh, the language, our blood, that whole, uh, blood running in the, stre- uh, run in the streets. That, that's another scene that really got me. Um, and just the way that that was a more performance. And yeah. The way that it was shot when he's got his hands... He's got his hands down and his head down and everybody's like, like kind of taken aback by what he did, what, what he said. And he just says our, and when Abby responds with, ah, you, you always mess it up. I forgot how he phrased it, but he's like, he talked about a paper where he like the, he, the way that he uses his language, he doesn't do certain things. Right. Yeah, he loses like, the he, possessives. He, right. He's got to work on those possessives. And he's like, I didn't like you knew a like, kid. He knew that. And like that, that realization, like you've read my paper, like you've like read my stuff, like everything. And he's like everything that you've ever written. Like, and, and like that, that moment where you realize how, how much he is behind the cause. Like, because it does seem like he's uh, like that. He's kind of enjoying it which is what Tom gets at for a good chunk of the yes. movie. But like the fact that he is very much behind the cause more so than you can imagine. He's, he's a soldier, right? It's, and yeah. when, when the war is over, the soldier has to lay down their guns and that's hard to do. And in this case, like, you know, I think even though he doesn't admit to it, right. Abby kind of internalizes it and understands in the moment, like that there is at least a grain of truth where it's like, what would I be doing if I didn't have a mm-hmm. cause, you know? Yeah. That is the one scene, well, though, I would say... get the answer to that after the fact, which was... Sh- sure. Difficult. Well, there's more to it than... than... So and they gave us a little blurb at the end of the movie, right? And it said Abby Hoffman continues on with the cause for a while and then kills himself some 20 mm-hmm. years later or whatever, right? Um, they left out some details um, okay. that are rather salacious. Oh, um, oh dear. He, I believe in 1980, was arrested for selling cocaine and then 
got plastic surgery and went into hiding for several years under a different name. And then eventually was caught, served a brief prison sentence, got out of prison and then killed himself. Oh my God. So the sequel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds Uh, like a sequel. (laughs) So uh, sorry, getting back to that scene, because you're right to point out that the writing of that scene and the larger picture of all of the, like the writing that led to all of that was incredibly compelling. And the performance, like you said, it elevates it to another level because you mm-hmm. feel it. These two people who are united by a common cause, but aren't necessarily united in how they wish to go about it. Mm-hmm. And it's like an enemy of my enemy situation. Yeah. And it was powerful showing them find more common ground, even if they'll never like each other. Right. Although you find not, even whether or not they quote unquote like each other, there is a respect for each other. Hayden respects that Abby is going to fight to the death for this. Mm -hmm. Abby respects what Hayden's about and how he chooses to go about it. Even if he doesn't think it's enough per se, but enough to respect him enough in his ideas and his ideals to read all of his stuff and come out and admit it and all that. And that's a powerful human, a moment. I will say that was actually really the one thing. And not to say that I've researched and found out that it was quote unquote wrong. That feels an awful lot like with the benefit of hindsight, I'd like to make amends because man, it feels like someone's covering their ass. Like, Hey, I, whether or not they misspoke, whether or not Tom misspoke when he gave that speech, which word for word verbatim is what he said. The, the, yeah. the, the, the blood in the streets speech, mm-hmm. the whole thing about our, like there's no way to prove that's yeah, sure. what he meant. And the movie, because it's so powerfully written and performed, makes it feel really true. Like I, cause I got swept up in the moment, but then upon reflection earlier today, I was like, ah, I don't necessarily feel super great about that. Cause that feels an awful lot like whitewashing what happened. Mm. You know what I mean? Like in the sense of like real life, like I, I do think that there is, uh, I, well, like, I agree that that could be the case too. I, for me, uh, what I'm seeing is like that happening and like that moment uh, almost unraveling everything they've worked for because it, it puts them as the bad guys. If that's how it is played out, like there's the defeat of it all there. Like that also is kind of like the buildup of pressure, right? Like one little mistake in this whole process of trying to do the right thing is going to make it all come crashing down. And that's what happened. Like whether or sure. not that was like the legit mistake or like how he said it, like was what he meant. That like the way that it's portrayed in the movie, I did think they made a really good point of getting that across of like how high those stakes were and how they were always just like a breath away from it all coming crashing down and then all being like thrown in prison. <laughs> like, yeah, the- definitely. I just don't want it to get lost in translation there that yeah. that is some ass covering that's going on. Like, you're right. The nuances of it, you're correct that the maybe the moment and what it speaks to transcends mm-hmm. all of that. But I just something about it rubbed me the wrong way where it's like, mm-hmm. well, it's awfully convenient that the terrible thing that led to a bunch of people dying and like all this shit going wrong was just because you misspoke slightly. And like, like that is what happened probably, but like mm-hmm. there's no way to prove one way or the other, whether he misspoke sure. or not, is I guess my point, you know? Mm. And unless getting that, caught up in the, that, unless that whole conversation was recorded too, <laughs> but, which would yeah. again be super convenient, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, that was that was intense. The other, so like, I broke a couple characters down into like into three groups, and um, 
the first group was restraint and uh uh that, that we already talked about john carroll like that 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 doing that like when he breaks and he hits the officer that's one but the bobby seal character yaya abdul mateen the second is that how you do two at the end the second is that yes okay i mean i uh, guess you can unless cheek- he's a sequel <laughs> you can cheekily i suppose call him yaya abdul mateen too two um, because but uh but he, I think he shows even more restraint in that he doesn't break, like, he, he raises his voice a little higher once, but it's nowhere compared to what other people have already done in the courtroom. And, like, he so calmly sticks to what he, he knows, how he needs to say what he's saying. He knows that he needs to stick to that and that he can't really stray too far. Otherwise, he's going to get bound and gag, which eventually happens anyway. And, like, I think that that, that character, like, the portrayal of that character is incredible incredible and how well, especially he, i would say it, it plays with your own it plays with the, the viewer's own biases because whatever side of this that you fall on i imagine that for most people and maybe this is just me speaking for my own you know when you hear black panther you and we're not talking about marvel movies here when you're talking about like the historical group from the 60s and 70s and all that you hear that there's a certain connotation whether you ally with their cause or not it you either think of them as someone who is dangerous or you think of them as someone that people think are dangerous right and so to play with that very convention over the course of the movie which is obviously a representation of something that happened in real life whether it's 100 accurate or 99 accurate whatever is largely irrelevant this character, this person is presented to you, the viewer, and to the jury by the prosecution as, and the judge as someone who is dangerous and to be feared. Mm-hmm. And to find out that he's more restrained in control than most of the other people there subverts both the viewer's expectation and the prosecutor's and the juror, and even ultimately the judge in his disgust has to realize at a certain point, fuck, even I overplayed my hand on this mm-hmm. one because even I've gone too far, no matter my personal distaste for the person and his cause and his actions alleged or otherwise, he hasn't actually done enough right. for me to do what I've done. And the prosecutor, the prosecutor, after all of that, who is trying against all odds, even though you can see some sympathy over the course of it, I, to some yeah. of the causes, he knows he has a job to do. And even he's like, we we can't do this. We can't do this. He he did it. Joseph Gordon Levitt did a great job there too yeah. of play of of you. He, I like putting him next to um, William Kunstler, right? So it's Richard Schultz and William Kunstler. Like yes. the 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 two actors portraying those characters, like they stand on a sim. They seem to have a similar moral code. One just happens to be representing just uh, the garbage side of this <laughs> and and is also like he's doing his job but he's also not going to overlook like i, I like he knows kind of how certain things need to play out like that scene where he ends up calling for the mistrial right like mm-hmm. i like the way that that is portrayed where he's like he he's very stuck and he does need to it's not the easy he's in a hard position it's not easy but he does need to stand up against what's happening well it's an incredible uh, situation there right because you know he wants a conviction above all else, whether or not he agrees or disagrees with the person, because mm-hmm. that's the law and that's his job. Right. And ultimately he realizes that what's being done to this person is a violation of constitutional rights. 
So he could just stand in silence and let it play out the way it's supposed to play out. Right. And he actively works against his own well-being because he knows that his boss and his boss's boss and his boss's boss's boss want to make an example of this person. And it's still too far. Yep. That's a my goodness. It's a it's a very powerful movie. By the way, his boss's boss's boss is the fucking president of the United States. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So restraint was was one of the buckets. Right, where I have Bobby Seal. Um, and by the way, quietly, you have to include Rennie Davis into that as well, because I don't think they put it up as much in the movie as they did when I was doing a little bit of skimming in his background. He was actually very closely allied with Dellinger in real life, with the nonviolence and all of that. And you see yes. him break as well in the moments preceding the riot. Yeah, I'm going to put him in a different in a different group. He's close to that group, but I'm going to put him in a different one. But before we get there, I have non-restraint, which was Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin, who were amazing characters. And also, to be able to make me laugh throughout this movie while telling a very heavy, very real story, I mean, that's writing skill. Like, the, like Well, not just writing skill, but both of them were fantastic casting. I mean, (laughs) like, sure, you've seen Sasha Baron Cohen play big and broad before, but that there is nuance. Yeah, there's actual intelligence Mm -hmm. and depth behind that character. And Jeremy Strong, I don't know how familiar you are with his work. He's an incredible actor. Mm -hmm. Um, So my first introduction to him was in... Succession, he plays the oldest true son, I guess, of Logan Roy, the, the patriarch character that he has a half son. Or sorry, he has a Jeremy Strong's character has a half brother who's older than him. It's Logan's bastard son, um, who's a part of the family, but not part of the company. Um, Jeremy Strong is the one who's supposed to be the golden boy, he's supposed to be the oldest son who takes the lead. And he's an addict and he's weak and he's all of these, you know, he's, he's never going to live up to what the father wants, no matter how much he tries to push him towards it and everything like that. And he always walks back, you know, comes crawling back like a beaten dog and all that. He, it's an incredible performance, especially in the second season, I actually thought. The first season, while they're breaking the character down, makes way for some interesting stuff in the second season when they try and build it back up because he's never going to be big and strong enough, but he gets big and strong enough to finally fight on a close to even setting. At least that's what's tipping off in season three. It's an incredible performance by him. He was nominated. The whole cast of succession was nominated for the second season. Um, and and he, and he won. I just saw him recently in the gentleman. He was playing a like flamboyant businessman. Who's trying to buy a drug empire from Matthew McConaughey. It was ridiculous. Um, then there's this. Yeah. He's ridiculous. He's an incredible performer. Yeah. And the two of them reminded me of Mulaney and Nick Kroll. In yeah, the, I got those vibes too. <laughs> just the way the two of them, a part of it is the the, Some the, of the, the kind of the Jewish leaning of that, yeah. all of that, like the New York Jew like type leaning of that. Yeah. But the, the way the two of them play off of each other, they were like, it was almost kind of like a Laurel and Hardy thing. <laughs> I love that when that that when they're walking into the courtroom and he catches the egg. How'd you do that? I don't know. I just like saw it. And then and then when they're in the room, like you don't know what to do with minutes, it. Yeah, it's like, are you still holding the egg? I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> that was great. But anyway, I have them in the non-restraint because they were like they were active. They were pretty active the whole time, right? They would do 
whether it was a small jab or a big show, they were doing something. They were still, they were, they were doing, they were actively kind of working against their case by continuing to do what they would do in between sessions. And from what I understand, they actually even cut out some of the more ridiculous things they did. Oh my God. But that when they are dressed as the judge, that was incredible. And then he has them take the robes off and they dress as cops. That was, <laughs> Which also amazing. really happened. <laughs> amazing. Uh, then, you know, uh, Abby doing the stand-ups in between sessions. Like, that was a whole... That was fascinating, too. I, Which apparently I, also actually happened. <laughs> they were they were just... They were so... They, they, they were two great performances. Yes. Um, Especially Slash Baron Cohen. I know he was nominated yeah. for this. He was, yeah. Very worth it. I would still lean towards, um, what's his name from Sound of Metal? Um, Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed. But if he were to lose to Sasha Baron Cohen, I wouldn't necessarily be upset. I would still pick. Are they in the same category? I think they were both. I thought they were both for uh, lead actor. Maybe. maybe I think think Sasha Baron Cohen is in supporting. Maybe it was. I don't know. I I thought I read that he was lead actor, but I. I Either way, I was up for something. Yeah, (laughs) so. He has my sport. He was really good. And I'm not even really that big a fan of him as mm. an actor. Um, You've spilled my macchiato. Yeah, I mean, he definitely <laughs> has his moments of Talladega Nights. But overall, I wouldn't say I'm, like, the biggest fan. Like, I never really got into, like, Borat or any of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, but he was really good in this. He surprised me. He was. Me. It was awesome. Uh, the, the third category that I had here was Paralysis. And that's actually where I put Tom and Rennie. Um, and because not paralysis and that they were trying so hard to go about this the right way, following the system until the moment that they realize they can't because the system is broken around them. And that, that was a, but that was very big, but they had to stick to the, that's another thing though. They kind of stuck to those roles to prove that point by the end. And while Rennie breaks out of it a little bit sooner and, and then falls into the restraint group, um, it takes Tom a li- it takes Tom longer and the fact that he when he it is my least favorite and also one of the most powerful moments of the movie is when he when he they all agree not to stand and he stands and then sits down i was like oh i hate this i understand why this just happened <laughs> but like it it well it was so, so obvious itchy. too watching it where it's like that's so obviously a reflex you know what uh, i mean like it, sure but it but but what is in that reflex right like there was like he he does need to. It was a reflex, but there's it's still a mistake. Oh sure, I mean you they know, can be both like, at the same time. My yeah, point was like the, the the fact that all of them were like, now nah, you're like a piece of shit. Now it's like, well no, like he fucked up, but like he's but that was for your guys' a, cause. Like that kind of encapsulates the whole thing, right? Even the the language thing with the uh, saying the wrong word. Like now that's going to be hung, like held above him forever. And like and this is these are just very little things. Meanwhile, like Bobby didn't even do anything and he is in <laughs> like he's in this. And that I feel like it was kind of showing that on a smaller scale. And it's like and he's only coming to grips with like, oh, now, like I've made this mistake. I am viewed this way. Well, it goes but, back like, to what I was saying about your everyone's preconceived notions, right? It's yeah. Like, well, surely the Black Panther leader must have been involved. And it's like he was there for four hours. All right. these other guys are here for like a week. Right. Oh my goodness! It's so. Oh, and so, oh, look at this! The Black Panther—he killed the guy in Connecticut. Oh, actually, no, he didn't. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, he did not. Uh, we. I hate the judge. I hate him so much. They did a very good job of me hating yeah, him. Frank Langella <laughs> is great at playing bastards. <laughs> <laughs> like, have you seen what's it called? Um, 
Dave? Dave. The, isn't that the name of the movie? Um, Kevin Klein, where he plays the president. Mm, I think I might have seen it a long, long time ago. Yeah, Frank Langella plays one of the top... Uh, top I bastards? Forget, yeah, no, he is a top <laughs> bastard. I don't remember if he was chief of staff or what he was. I forget. Um, and so, you know, you know the premise of that movie, right? Um, no, I don't remember. So the president is, well, honestly, kind of a bastard, uh, played by Kevin Klein. And he has a stroke or a heart attack or something, falls into a coma. I, I do remember this. Yes. And they don't know what to do. And so they define, decide to fight a doppelganger until they can yeah. find out whether the president's going to survive or not. Also played by Kevin Klein, obviously. And um, they install him and Frank Langella and also basically reprising the same role from Veep, Kevin Dunn, um, are like the top guys who are kind of leading him through all of this. And Frank Langella is such a bastard in that. <laughs> different, different flavor of bastard in this, but just as much of a bastard. Mm. Yeah, he's, oh, he's so the worst. That whole... I do like any time that like Abby and Jerry get under his skin. <laughs> it's a really, it really is. Great. There was, Often, there was definitely, no, there was shades of, there was shades the record, of my no cousin relation. Vinny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was shades of my cousin Vinny in, especially the Sasha Baron Cohen stuff in this, where yeah. he's like mumbling under his breath. Like, what did you say? Like, <laughs> I was thinking of that Joe Pesci. Yeah. I hold you in because that's a, oh, that was a big fucking surprise. <laughs> what, what, what did you say? What'd I say? <laughs> <laughs> there was there was some of that energy to what what they yeah. were doing. Oh man, just the 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 whole the callback to the no relation thing, like a couple more <laughs> times later on, was what really got me. Especially when he finally takes the stand mm-hmm. and he says his name, and then he says no relation <laughs> again. I was like, it it got me. I just... I, I did enjoy them when you know <laughs> objection, and they all go in in, in key overruled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it starts as just the two guys but then by the end when it happens again the whole the whole panel of them say it together and some of the people in the gallery yeah, as well. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets so mad yes in that scene oh my goodness uh <laughs> over what else we got here? We brought wait, wait. in. Well, who's yeah. the better bastard judge? Judge Chamberlain Haller or Judge Julius Hoffman? <laughs> the bastard wait, who, judge from My Cousin Vinny. Sorry, I've seen the movie a million times. So. Oh, I, I have not seen the movie enough times because of when I saw it when I was younger, I didn't care for it. Ah, but I didn't know what you were talking about. Yeah. With the, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, it's, it sounds like I need to rewatch that as an adult. So. I mean, it's not like it's the best movie in the world, but it's a, it is a very funny movie. I, I okay. very much enjoy that movie. Um, yeah. Oh God, he's such a, this judge, this judge is the worst. He's a judge Julius. I, I couldn't, I hated him the whole time. And then I, then I had to read up. I'm like, whatever became of this dipshit by the end. I was like, good, good. (laughs) Well, I will say juxtaposing bastard judges in those two movies. What ends up being entertaining with the whole, my cousin, anything is he's a prick, but by and large, he's really just a stickler Mm -hmm. because you never get, with like one exception, much in the there's one significant exception actually. You don't really typically get vindictive, or like the feeling of vindictive from him. It's just he is going to follow everything to the letter of the law. Whereas, I mean, just I'm not a lawyer, but based on my limited knowledge of law, this judge did things wrong pretty consistently throughout all of this. Namely, not allowing the postponement for Bobby Seals. Actually, egregious. 
Um, yeah. And I don't know how there wasn't some recourse during the course of all of that for that, because he seemed to be pretty actively flouting the Constitution. Yeah. Um, uh, on top of that, it, which is absurd, and especially the way that they portray it, where he constantly is saying, like, this is my lawyer. He is not here. Here are the re-, like, and like, and he can't. It, and then the constant push, like, you have a lawyer right next to you. Can't he like that whole thing? That was well, because really even even if he insisted on maintaining guilty. the trial in that way, he would have had to have given him a public defender. You are required to sit with counsel, even mm-hmm. if you don't want it. And I, I don't know. It may be a different in the federal court versus state or other levels of 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 courts you can represent yourself so the fact that he wasn't allowing him to represent himself that may have been correct procedure i actually i don't know that part of it but he is not allowed to sit for trial without a lawyer you have a lawyer right next to you i wanted to slap him every time he said that (laughs) he was not retaining him it's not his lawyer so then you have to give him a public defender is this man your lawyer? The guy talking behind him, and then he has to call out to like let the record show that he's speaking with. I was like, ooh, I want to, oh, I want to bash the judge's head in with his gavel. And I'm Where not the biggest cavils, gavels right now when you need them. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of Mark Rylance. I haven't seen him in a ton of stuff. He kind mm-hmm. of honestly pissed me off a bit in Ready Player One. Like I just couldn't stand his delivery. Hmm. And well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of true to form though for the character, uh, but I understand. Um, yeah. but the problem is the first five minutes that he was on screen in this, I was like, Oh God, it's just him. Um, and obviously he broke out of that and I felt more favorably over the course of it. But when he lights into the judge about the, the final time where he says like, he's not Bobby's lawyer. I was like, Oh shit. That was a moment there. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was pretty good. I, uh, Another thing, reoccurring thing that ends up paying off and playing, well, because they do this a few times, but plays out really well in the end, uh, is Abby continually saying it's a political trial and the, and his, his, uh, uh, his lawyer is the guy, it's like, there's no such thing. There's this type of trial <laughs> and that type of trial. And it's a political trial. It's like, how many times have I tell you there's no such thing? And then later on when they're in the room he and they find out about like this whole, the whole correspondence, he goes, the, the two lawyers turn to each other. Oh my God, it's a political trial. And then Abby just goes like, puts his hand up. It's like, yeah. <laughs> the, the, well, the one thing is frustrating. And actually I didn't have time to find whether that was true, whether that kind of played out that way in real life or not. But like, Shouldn't that have been really fucking obvious? Like, honestly, even to me, I'm a, I was a little upset that I didn't think of it watching how it all played out because mm. like, like I just, I think what it was is I didn't get the timeline exactly. Oh, that I didn't get, like it wasn't clicking for me that they were on trial like a year after. Yeah. What happened? So it didn't full, like, to me, I just read it as, oh, hey, we're the new guys and we're we're doing this thing because this thing just happened. It's like, no, this happened a year ago, fully a year ago. Like, it never clicked to me like, oh, yeah, they were at the Democratic National Convention, which is before the election. The events of this pick up after the election. Mm-hmm. Duh. Because um, I think if that connection had been made, even I would have been like, well, duh, guys. Like, not necessarily that they should have gone to find Roy Clark, but the fact that there was a new crusading administration coming in, that part right. of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, so the fact that it didn't even cross their minds after a year plus of 18 months of this now, right? Because it's six months of trial. The fact that it didn't cross their mind was infuriating to me. <laughs> well, I, I do like the way that they, they did, they did lay that out for you. Like up front, like you, 
not piecing it together is not a mistake. Like that, that's that's totally fine. It's just like the way that 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 opening sequence with uh with Carmine Falcone, and he's when he's uh he keeps harping on the like an hour before like whatever like an hour before I swore in or something. He gave his notice and he like keeps giving. That's not Carmine Falcone. Carmine Falcone yeah. is Tom Wilkinson, and that's John Doman. No, no, he's Car- sorry in Gotham. Oh. I was like, that's, those are two different actors. <laughs> Bet. Like dogs. <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> well, I didn't watch Gotham. Gotham. I didn't realize he was in Gotham. I was like, no. <laughs> Who are you talking about? Well, because I, I know him from The Wire. He was mm. always, I forget what, he was a captain at one point, and then I guess he, I don't know if he was, he wasn't the commissioner. I forget what the fuck title he had, but. He was just a total. He always was a prick, and he was a total prick in that. Yeah, but he's a good actor. But they 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 did harp on that a bunch as he was bringing in the prosecutor, which I I felt kind. It does hint at it. Um, it gets it does. It just didn't click for me. Sure, what the relevance of all that was. It gets clearer when they unravel it for you, and then of course when they bring in this guy that we've been speaking about the whole time that we didn't know was going to be played by Michael Keaton was awesome. (laughs) It's like and that whole stick it to these assholes thing with the two guys in the room while he's sitting at his desk eating pistachios or something. And then I wasn't the sure. Yeah. <laughs> the lawyers and Tom come in and uh, he's like, no, it's like, that's okay. They could be here. And they were like, they were bombed out. Like, Oh great. This isn't going to go our way. I'll do it. <laughs> you can't do it. I'll do it. <laughs> it was, see, it was see, here's awesome. the thing about, I can't do it. Is this? I can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not only can I, will uh, <laughs> if for no reason other than to piss off your boss <laughs> right oh my goodness that was that was good and that was another that was the next thing that the judges did that was a very big mistake right was like or he that that was very relevant was it not yes now i forget what he said but clark actually does misstep ever so slightly in like he shows too much of his hand because as soon as he lets slip that it's personal, that's the judge actually probably could have thinly hid behind it. Sure. But that's um, not what he does. <laughs> no, um, because if Clark doesn't say it, then yeah, there, I don't believe there would have actually been a basis for the judge to not allow it. Mm-hmm. Because you can restrict testimony. You can restrict. You could say you're only allowed to talk about X, Y, and Z. You're not allowed to talk through A through W. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, because that happens all the time. Like you see, have that stricken from the record and this and that. And I've never actually been hundred percent sure how that works in real life because so as a juror, a, I did hear it. <laughs> that's what, that's my point. Like now, uh, which is how you end up getting with like hung juries and mistrials, which is complicated, right? Guilty, not guilty. It makes things very easy. It's binary. Right. Um, but which is why they, they want the other witness so that they don't have the jury present for all of that and everything, which that is a sense, that is how that would go down, I think. But ultimately, to me, to not allow him in would seem like a breach as well. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, emotionally, right? We feel that way. But um, I think, again, based on my limit, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer. Um, I it doesn't seem to me that it would be credible to not let that guy in, yeah. in to testify. Like again, severely restricting. You know, you can object to the second the question's asked before you can answer and all those sorts of things, right? Because if you don't actually get the testimony out, you can give strict instructions. You're to wait to respond to any question by 
either the prosecutor or the defense, you know, and clear with me whether or not you can answer the question or whether I'm going to strike the question, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's specific ways they can curtail what's being said to protect ostensibly what is supposed to be privileged information. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That was that judge really got under my skin. Uh, the one thing we didn't really circle back on was the jury tampering, which. That was shocking to me because I have read a lot of Grisham and there has been some jury tampering in some of his books and he was a lawyer for a very long time. So he knows what he speaks. But the thing is in all of the cases in his books where it happens, it's always in civil trials. So it's like a company or criminal who's tampering with the witnesses, not the United States government. Right. Well, and that's, but that's the thing that they, they are, they were brushing it off as the Black Panthers did this. Yeah. But which obviously they didn't. There's the thing is, it makes the no were sense. too high for them to have thought to, to have done that. They wouldn't no, have done that, that. No, that's not what I'm saying at no. all. <laughs> I it wouldn't put it past me that at some point or other in some trial or other Black Panthers or any organization that is known to have affected some nefarious things. I'm not saying that all that they did, but like, there's a bunch of black they, they would that not did have gone things, after the people you know? that would ha- that were on their side. <laughs> yes, that's the point I'm making is that yeah. they were actively working against the cause that they were espousing by going after those specific jurors. So it was the worst. It was the easiest thing to hide behind because ever like you point and say criminal over there and like, well, yeah, no, you're right. Those are criminals. It's like, no, this yeah. is directly against their interest. Like, yeah. think for one second with nuance or whatever, and the judge was looking, obviously, for convenient excuses, because now, and this is dramatization, this is a movie, so real life, I don't, maybe they tweaked how that happened. Right, but they, they were making it very show on screen. Moment, the judge made up his, the judge had decided. And he was just looking for the, the cover. started. And, yeah. Yeah, like how this was all going down. It also goes to show that, you know, they thought they were being clever and noticing these little notes that the jurors were showing that were on their side, and obviously... It was too obvious, or the other side is pretty good. It's the whole point, right? And the mm-hmm. prosecution noticed that these people were on the side of the defense clearly, and so they did what they had to do to get rid of those jurors. It is I, that if nothing else, I'd like to research that to see what happened in real life because you could make a whole movie on the implications, the fact that the government tampered with the jury in this trial. Right. That is insane. Mm-hmm. And also, mm-hmm. forget about it, not just that. There was. Witness tampering as well, because very clearly the prosecutor nods to the undercover police officer who then lies on the stand. Yep. Which, by the way, that character is a fabricated character, but still. I liked that whole thing, though, where... Well, I, I think it's Abby that turns to the rest of the group. He's like, were they all cops? Or like something. <laughs> I forget. No, well, I, that might've been it too. Um, I forget who said it wasn't someone in the trial, right? Some, or maybe it was one of the two guys who were the patsies. One yeah. of them says, is it possible that the seven, no, someone else, <laughs> that, is, right, it possible that, that, is it possible that the seven of them <laughs> were leading it up? Uh, a movement made up entirely of 10,000 undercover cops. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. That was I good. forget who said that, but it was incredible. Was it one of the prosecutors? Uh, I don't know. So <laughs> I, I, I forgot because I split up the watch. I think it might have been those two guys that didn't really, that that were going to be the the ones they let go. 
Yeah, that's what I thought it was maybe because they did get a ch- chance to have a couple of like dry, like cheeky lines mm-hmm. in the course of this, considering they didn't have much else to do because we never really saw their role in all of this. Yeah, that was that again. That was well played. The fact that we didn't see their role in it and then they explained why they were there was great. Like that was well done. It's like, yeah, they're doing this specifically so that we could they could use you. You're just you're just here to be used. And like. That sucked. <laughs> like they, yeah. that, that really killed them. When you saw how powerless, like it washed over them, how powerless they were. Like, fuck, yeah. we support you guys, but our existence is causing you guys problems, and there is literally nothing we can do. Yeah, to extricate ourselves from the fact that it's causing problems for you and undermining the cause that we actually believe in. Yeah. Oh man. I oh, want now another another great and just uh one maybe maybe a misstep could have done slightly better just i i turned to kim right when the movie ended for this one but when uh tom <laughs> reads the final statement or like their final words and he's like what are the three things so like, i can list them off and the last all oh, right and brief got it uh since the day this trial started, this number, and then he starts reading off the names of everybody that was, has died, and he he started going through it. And the one thing that I would have changed in the movie <laughs> was well that that's one thing. The one thing I would have changed in the movie was uh, I think it would have been great. It would have been difficult to do, and it would have been a long shoot. I think he should have kept reading, and I think they should have played that voice over the credits as it was rolling. And I think that would have made it just hit a little bit more. How long does it take to read 5,000 names out loud? A long time. Probably going to take a couple hours. Credits are pretty long. A couple hours? I don't think it's going to take a couple hours. Maybe he starts reading a little bit faster. Or or have you, like... have you ever watched... And this isn't meant in any way, shape, or form to call you out. Have you ever watched the event surrounding the memorial of 9-11 every year? Because they read like, the 3,000 names. Way back when. Yeah. They read the 3,000 names, and I get that they pause to mark the times of the major events that happened during the course of it. They, they pause to change s- people that read it or they did change I, people that read it. And yeah. there's some interstitial stuff. It takes a few hours to go through all. Of them. They should have done it and they didn't, they don't have to play it the whole way out, but they could play it through the whole credits. I think that would have been a very powerful thing to do. Yes, I agree with that. Just the point is it probably would have taken an hour of credits to get all the names. out. <laughs> sure. Or put them in the credits. Well, you certainly I, I'm not going to object to that. I, my my point was simply the 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 logistics of having him read out loud mm-hmm. the five thousand. It would have been a hell of a shoot, but <laughs> yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it wouldn't have been worthwhile. It's just I don't know. I, that I practically... also loved that in that moment when uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt stands up and his his asshole partner is like or boss is like, "What are you doing?" and he. Uh, he turned to him with that snark as as uh, he did in The Dark Knight Rises. Maybe you should start paying attention to some of those details, thinking you're just sorting out or whatever he said. But like he's like yeah. paying respect to the dead, <laughs> like you asshole. <laughs> the way that he said it, it was just like, oh, like you called him an asshole without saying it, and it was so good. Honestly, in that moment, you want him to just reach over and punch his boss, and obviously he wants to too in that moment, and just like knows that he can't because. <laughs> A lot of reasons, actually. Um, the fact that the boss storms out, like you could have just sat there and stewed with it. The fact that he storms out is like, wow. Yeah. Um, because up until that point, you could even kind of say he's trying to do his job or whatever, and he's taking his own principled stand, whether his principles are correct or not correct. 
And it's like, no, you are truly just an asshole. And no, and I, you can't even say that up to that point because of the witness tampering. <laughs> sure, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt there because yeah, I I'm don't not. know if that actually happened. I refuse to. <laughs> My point is the movie character did that. I don't sure. know that the real life person did that because that mm-hmm. would seem particularly egregious. And if they had a record of that in the court record, that guy would have been disbarred and thrown in prison. Fired! <laughs> So, you know. Yeah. That being said, a lot of assholes. Mm-hmm. And uh, none of them deserve the benefit of the doubt. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not worth believing. <laughs> I was just... Uh... <laughs> uh, any Anything else on this one? Um, no, I just... It's really... It's great when you get to see good performers perform good work passionately um, passionately um yeah. and this is a, an important story to talk about and it's not an easy story to talk about because and i extremely don't want to both sides this but to say that there is an inherently good or bad or right or wrong to all of this like there are elements to all of it right on both on both sides of this i now and the, the spirit of what's going on obviously i side with you know what's going on and the defense here. Um, but you can't act like they handled it all perfectly. Right. And they're only human. Right. And you can understand some of the aspects of the people in the, the prosecution and whatever, trying to uphold the law while also being able to admit that a lot of the law was wrong at that time. It needed to be changed. And a lot of how they do, they conducted themselves in the courtroom was possibly borderline illegal. Right. Specifically Mm -hmm. the judge we're talking about. The asshole um, judge. The asshole judge. Um, so this is an incredibly complicated and difficult story to tell. And it was told, I thought, pretty admirably because mm-hmm. it did allow for some shades of nuance to both sides where you can see some of what the seven did being wrong, even if ultimately they're largely right. Mm-hmm. You can see some of the the aspects of, okay, well, like, for instance, like the prosecutor, not the asshole prosecutor, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt one, trying to do his job mm-hmm. or admitting that he knows that some of the job sucks and all that. And it just showed very human side to all of this, I thought, because even the judge, it's like as much of an asshole as you are, you think you're doing what's right. You're wrong, but you think you're doing what's right here. You think you're upholding the best the villains law. don't know they're the villain. Exactly. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see all of it, like I said, just performed that way, um, it changed my perception on on a handful of the actors and actresses in, in this. Um, I mean, not so much the actresses, because there wasn't really a lot of female actors featured in this. Tough, too, with a story like this, I guess. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, uh, it got to showcase a lot of talents that I already knew were pretty good. And then even, yeah. I mean, it was a deep roster. Even, like, the the, the other lawyer... He's been on billions the last few years and he's his role has grown, even though he's like a tertiary character. He's a good actor. Like he's he always basically plays a lawyer. He's a lawyer in billions as well. But he does the role well. Like I said, he turned my opinion on Mark Rylance. I'm not the biggest fan of Sasha Baron Cohen. He did a really good job in this. Yeah. I love Jeremy Strong and it reaffirmed that. Honestly, I thought Eddie Redman was really good when he yeah. played um well i was gonna say i thought he was really good when he played stephen hawking mm-hmm. and hasn't been good since then oh to be fair i never saw the danish girl i know he was nominated never saw the movie so i don't really have an opinion on that but 
everything else I've seen him in, in other than that, he's been really annoying in. And he was good in this again. Like, not as good as the top performers, but, like, enough to check the box back to where I'm like, oh, wait, no, you actually do remember how to act. Stop doing those weird, annoying voice things you do in some of those other roles. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good movie. Good movie. I just want to uh, just go back for a second. I said the, the best villains don't know they're the villain. Uh, exceptions. Ulysses Claw. Uh, <laughs> and the joke. But he's a campy villain. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't he so good? Yes. But honestly, though, the Joker doesn't even think he's the villain. Yeah, that's true. At least not the best interpretations of the Joker. Yeah. No, he doesn't think he... Well, he doesn't... Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Oh, man. I love movies, Al. I really do. <laughs> it's a good thing so we much. have a movie podcast in yeah. which we talk about them. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicksinthesix at thespintune.com, tweet us at thespintune, or hit us up on the site, thespintune.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. And I almost took a sip of beer while you were trying to play us out. <laughs> Thanks for coming out.